Welcome to Fire Breathing Kittens, a standalone Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate, complete adventure, so you can listen to them in any order. Today we are joined by Olive Mado, Tanager Goodfellow, and Furious Johnson. We begin with our camera on Tanager Goodfellow. Tanja, you're in the atelier of Enzo Erstrup, the humanoid beetle tailor you know so well. Enzo is making the final adjustments to what must be a spectacular outfit. Why don't you tell us, first of all, what does Enzo have to work with in Tanager, and what is he making for you? Well, if I could describe myself for a moment, Tanager Goodfellow is a third-level bard, third-level cleric, and a fourth-level fighter. Today, this beautiful auburn satyr is wearing, I mean, today's twin day, obviously, so him and his attache, uh, Curry, are wearing opposite halves of a split-down-the-middle red and white kimono. How low to the ground does it go? Very high at the knee for me, and Curry has a tasteful ankle-length outfit. Enzo is just fussing over making those last couple of adjustments, removing just the slightest bit of stitching in one place to make it cling more uh, more evocatively to your waist. As he's doing this, he's asking, remind me, what is is this for, this outfit? Oh, I suppose the guildmaster asked me for a favor, something, I don't know, I need to go talk to him to get a reminder. Honestly, I was so deep in my cups. I didn't even know who I was talking to. I just heard something about a promenade, and I was like, well, I need an outfit, and now I'm here. Enzo, who seems pretty well familiar with your decision-making process, just sort of nods along and continues to, 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 to pocket the money from his best customer. While you're, while you're finishing up your outfit and preparing to return to the guild hall, we, uh, we go to the guild hall, where Furious Johnson... For the last hour, you've been debating the philosophy of uh, Mialike, as espoused, of course, by Pickle Boldershoulder, uh, with a very enthusiastic and ardent young half-orc woman and her largely mute companion, a, a broad-featured blonde hu- uh, human, also in his uh, late teens. What do they see when they look at Furious Johnson? Well, when they look at Furious Johnson, they see uh, uh, a level 10 dwarf. So he is standing about four foot six, four foot seven inches tall. Um, he's, he's pretty buff. You know, he's pretty, he's pretty solid. He's a meaty, he's a meaty little, little character. Um, got himself a nice little pot belly because he does enjoy his, uh, his, 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 his meals quite often. Um, he's wearing a very shiny pair of tight le- purple leather strangely sparkling, slightly luminescent trousers, um, and he's absolutely slathered in baby oil. <laughs> so for- I mean, he's, he's literally dripping in the stuff, literally dripping. Uh, so the, 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 young, the young woman makes no comment on, on the baby oil, but continues to espouse a philosophy about the, the need for the workers to, to rise up and overthrow the capitalist merchants that are keeping them enslaved. It's not hugely coherent. What kind of... Ca- uh, is uh, Furious agreeing? Is there a counter-argument? What does Mialiki say about all this? Well, I <laughs> Uh, right, hang on. 
What so we we're talking about the up the sort of the rise of the proletariat to overthrow capitalist structures? Is that that's kind of where we're coming at from this? It yeah? is. She's this she's this beautiful young half orc, and her dress, what everything she is wearing, is made out of pages of what looks suspiciously like a handwritten manifesto. And she's carrying this satchel full of like more pamphlets and she's constantly and she's been trying to convert you to the need for an uprising for the better part of the last hour. And she's she's quite an attractive young half orc, is she? Uh, I mean, she she's uh, she's a she's a late teenager. But yeah, she's quite far as far as half orcs go. Yeah, she's quite pretty. Yes. She, but she's about she's also above age. I'll just clarify yes. this. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, no, Furious Johnson's quite up for his sort of. Um, Everyone you meet in this story will be suspiciously overage. <laughs> you got to make sure of these things, right? In the distance, you hear so, Tanager just say, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Fur- Furious Johnson's been known to dally in, in cross-species, um, you know, uh, variances. So um, I think he's probably just agreeing wholeheartedly with everything this half-orc says, just in the, in the, in the hope that it kind of goes somewhere positive before the end of it so johnson's just nodding nodding yeah i'm no, no, absolutely the, the, the proletariat down 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 with capitalism and we need to overthrow uprise uprise revolution is is the only possible way forwards roll an insight check plus five thank you uh that's a 17 17 okay the whole time yes. you, you're you're basically like agreeing with her she is she seems thrilled to have found a new convert the the blonde lug behind her is like sees that it's kind of how much she loves it and he also constantly tries to agree but he's just like not as good at it so there's a lot of like yeah uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah 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 no you're so right yeah the 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 merchants are bad um and just kind of nods along um and you can see him kind of you can tell he's throwing you sort of daggers from behind her (laughs) Um, as you're just slightly better at agreeing with her than the, than he is. Meanwhile, while uh, while Furious is off in the corner being uh, recruited for the revolution, uh, Olive, uh, you're uh, you're sitting uh, you're in the guild hall and you're watching a slightly unusual sight. Nulasag uh, n- uh, uh, is dressed unusually he has dragged this short dwarf who runs of course the the guild hall has dragged out from somewhere this ancient military uniform that looks like it hasn't been worn in years and he is pacing still somewhat uh unsteadily after his experiences of being captured and replaced around his chest is covered in ancient medals and he's carrying a battle axe that is almost the same size as him but has been freshly polished and he's pacing around, occasionally casting glances at you. When he does that, what does he see, Olive? He sees a five foot ten bipedal crocodile, and I'm down to uh, two hundred and thirty pounds now. Woo! Losing weight through monking. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm a level ten monk who's transitioned. I guess I'm halfway there, right? So I was uh, quite pudgy at level one, and now I'm like halfway to fit, <laughs> and. I'm concerned because Nulisag is very old and that axe is as large as he is. I'm like, oh, buddy. Uh, uh, As you watch, he sort of totters slightly backwards as the head of it over, like, over weighs him and he manages to catch his balance and he kind of adjusts so that he puts the head of it down on the ground and he's sort of dragging it back and forth, 
behind him, still pacing and casting nervous glances uh, at the door. Through that door uh, walks Tanajo uh, Goodfellow, who has just arrived. Um, you see, you see the sight. Off in the corner is uh, Furious Johnson, deeply engaged in, well, frankly, checking out the legs of a of a half uh, of a half orc girl in in pamphlet pamphlet outfits uh, and her large friend. Uh, you see Olive off to the side of the Guildhall, and you see Nulisag still pacing it. And as um, and as soon as Nulisag uh, sees you, uh, he uh, he jumps up to to his feet uh, and waves you over. Tanager, Tanager, you're back. Did you bring them? Absolutely not. What was I supposed to bring? <laughs> the, the. He sputters. The, the, the night escorts. The night escorts. Where are they? You were supposed to get them. Well, I'm supposed to do a lot of things in a day, but I don't often do them. I understand you're my boss and all, but come on. I Roll. can find you some nice... Oh, continue. Sorry. Uh, roll a history check with disadvantage. Oof. I am not too good at those. The boop. The boop. Disadvantage is a natural four, so I doubt it's going to be enough for whatever you need. You have... You not only have no idea what he's he's talking about, several of the words he's used temporarily escape your somewhat hungover brain. And it is just, it is like he's from a different planet. Uh, as he's as he's gaping at you and getting more and more kind of, um, uh, more and more angry, the door behind you opens. And through it comes stumbling in four figures you vaguely recognize. They're hu- uh, Tanager. They're human. They're mostly in their small clothes, but with... Uh, they're sort of big lads. They're in their small clothes. Some of them still have a couple of pieces of what looks like theater dress armor on them. Two of them are supporting the third, and the fourth one is leaning against the doorframe, breathing heavily. Uh, roll an insight check with advantage. Now I am good at those. That's going to be a 22. Okay. You instantly diagnose these people as being like having passed through the hangover and reached that next stage where the alcohol has become part of them and they are one with suffering. Um, uh, and the, the, the lead one kind of looks at you and goes, reporting is, is on a bus ready to serve. And then kind of slump sideways. Tanner's just going to look directly at Olive and go, I think I've got myself into a bit of a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Olive is used to this. (laughs) Um, Looking at Nulistag and looking at these four people, I'm going to say that uh, perhaps we could all use a freshly baked cinnamon roll from the kitchens. So me and Curry are going to go over to Rodolfo, the like chef, and be like, Y'all could use some food. Um, I'm going to buy everybody a big old round of like monkey bread style, take one and pass cinnamon roll. Uh, uh, coming right up. 
um, kind of fiddles fiddles around with the pantry, loads up a, a large a large tray with basically any baked goods he can grab. He doesn't quite have enough cinnamon rolls for, for everybody in the room, but he's got lots of different kind of sort of croissants and, and other little pastries. Um, and he hands them he hands them over to Olive, casting like slightly um, slightly. Uh, concerned glances at these uh, four guys who look like they're about to pass out or throw up on the floor or do either of those things in sequence um, possibly in the wrong order um, and kind of j- just hands them over and just, just kind of leans into Olive and goes just point them out the door if they go huh? Uh, <laughs> and as you begin walking away he adds either end of them We'll see if we can avoid that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna set the food on one of the tables that has chairs all around it, so everyone can like sit down and relax, get off your feet, rest a while. You know, let's let's talk this out. What's uh, going on, Tanager? And hey, Furious, you want some croissants? Mm, I, I do definitely want some croissants. Bit of cinnamon, cinnamon, cinnamon rolls. Oh, oh we like them. Is there any coffee going as well? These these boys look like they could do with a, about a gallon of coffee each of them. Definitely. Uh, Rodolfo takes takes one look uh, one look at what's uh, what's going on and goes through a back door in the kitchen and comes out with what is basically a samovar of of coffee, like a like an oh, like a three foot thing with just taps all around it, and the smell coming off of it is like there is one drop of water for every spoonful of black death coffee grounds in this, uh, and he kind of just waddles over to the table and hoists it um, hoists it on top twist the little red ruby that heats it up in the bottom uh, and pretty soon you can hear the, the whistle of, of percolating coffee um, two, uh, two, two of the knights just slump forward on the desk and begin promptly drooling um, but, but one of the others is just kind of lying there head in hand um, kind of just trying to keep a croissant down um, Nalasag is too like amped up to sit so he just begins pacing around the table doing laps of it still dragging that axe um, and making small furrows in the in the floor he'll probably have to fix later uh, he's like I can't believe it this is her special day this is her special day I'm gonna fail as a godfather she's never gonna talk to me again this is oh and you my should- goodness Nalasag you need to sit down and honestly have a drink. And I know that's my solution to most things, but I feel like in this specific moment, it might be particularly appropriate. Who's special day? Uh, roll a persuasion check. Let's see if you can break him out of this funk. Oh, baby boy, I can't roll less than 22. <laughs> that's a 22. <laughs> <laughs> um... He's like he's still amped up, but but he makes his way uh, he makes his way over to the table. Kind of at, at at two feet, he has to use one of the steps he's had built into some of the higher stools, and he cl- kind of clambers up on top. And the first thing he does is he just grabs a tall mug of this black coffee, and he just skulls it, just lifts it up to his face, and you just hear glug 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 glug. Oh yeah, uh, you need to be more down the throat. Shit. <laughs> yeah, he, he does not need that in him right now. <laughs> is, is, we've got some decaf that we can uh, oh, wow. replace it with. 
He like wipes his backhand across his mouth and turns to to you, Olive, um, uh, and you, uh, Furious. And he's like, right. Well, telling him anything is useless. So I'll tell the rest of you. My goddaughter, Lucilia, which is uh, which you would know, uh, Furious, is the the girl you've been talking to. Is is graduating from her high school, and she has been voted prom queen. And she interrupts uh, at this point and says, um, uh, "And says, Godfather, you you know I don't like that term. It, it implies a uh, a a matriarchal society involving established power structures with monarchs and peasants, and I don't support that." And he kind of gives you all, he kind of gives you all this long suffering look. Uh, it's yeah. coming back to Tanninger now. <laughs> and he begins to <laughs> grin like wide. His eyes are like dinner plates. And he uh, is just like sizing up this girl non romantically. But if he can make this girl prom queen, like truly. This will be his greatest accomplishment in his life. If he can convince this girl to dress up for prom, there could his power is infinite. <laughs> uh, she, she's kind of still going on this this rant, and it's becoming somewhat less coherent as she's attempting to bring in other philosophies. She's very clearly only tangentially heard of and become very passionate about. So some, so you kind of, you all just kind of do the same thing that Nullisag's obviously doing, and partially tune her out somewhere around didactic materialism and, and a discussion about the one true self. Um, but she, she doesn't need an audience. She's, uh, she's still ranting. Nullisag's like, Tanager, did you at least get the carriage? Uh, Tanager is fully ignoring him and trying to understand what she's saying because he needs to get her in order to like get the correct outfit for her so he's Uh, just like all right you're talking about a bunch of freedom concepts i got no idea what you're saying but let me just like okay he's listening as hard as he can is that like a history check or i'm gonna say it's pure in pure intelligence So so give me a pure intelligence and then a pure constitution just to see if you have the fortitude to put up with this much nonsense. (laughs) That's a nine and that's a six. (laughs) Okay. You are very passionate about listening to this woman, but it is such a verbal flow that you're only able to piece together about half of it. And what you're able to pull out of it is that she firmly believes in equality and destroying the class structure. She constantly makes allusions to high school and you get the sense that her high school has like very, very rich kids and then everybody else. So, So you pick on that up because occasionally she will mention like individual kids she's going to high school with just by the fact that their names mean nothing to you. Um, and so you get the sense that she is all about converting people to a workers' uprising, despite the very strong sensation that it, she's probably never had a job in her life. Um, but she's very, very passionate about it, and it feels like your readers, it comes from a good place. Um, she genuinely wants to make the world a better place. That's the read you get of her. Super dope. And then it kind of rings in, like, oh, a, a carriage? Yes, I, I have a carriage. I mean, she can borrow... 
my friends, I guess. I, I, I would have to talk to the druids, but, you know. Um, he's, uh, he, he seems, Nalsag seems, seems relieved. Um, but then, and then he looks at the four slumped, like, local laborers who, who, who might be, who, who might be strippers. It's, it's not clear where you found these guys. They're all in very good shape. They're all quite attractive, but they're also clearly in absolutely no state to go anywhere. And if they were wearing armor when you met them, they are sure as hell not wearing armor now. Um, uh, and he says, um, but, but she needs, she needs an escort. And he turns to, uh, she, uh, he turns to, to Olive and, uh, you furious kind of sizes you up. And there's like a still slightly overweight crocodile and a baby oiled up dwarf. And he's like, Okay, this wasn't exactly my vision. This wasn't exactly the mindscape I had, but but will you do it? Will, will you escort her? Will, will you be be footmen and foot dial? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm, I've got nothing else on today. I'll, is it when, when when are we doing it? Is it tonight? Uh, it's it's tonight over over by the the hall in uh, Lasum Forest. Yeah. Count, count, count me in. Why not? Why not? I've never been to a prom before. Uh, it's like yes, uh, Olive. So the job is keep her safe, boss. I, I, I mean, it, it, it's it's a prom. How dangerous could it be? Really, we just we need her to make a grand entrance with like escorts. So it's so it's fabulous. Uh, and these guys, and he points to the stripper knights. We're going to be fabulous, but. You're what I've got to work with. Well, if Olive knows Tanager, he can do a fabulous grand entrance. So Tan- I'll Tanager recently at a fourth level took an interesting little feat called telepathic. So like as he, he hears Nulasag saying this stuff, I'm just gonna send to Furious and Olive like a mental message being like, just humor him. I've got this. I this is her night, not his. Oh yeah. Then I'm like, yeah, I'm in, boss. <laughs> he uh, he's like, he seems super, uh, super, super relieved. He's like, uh, okay. Now and then he turns to you, Tanaja, and he looks you dead in the eye. Are you sober? Never, boss. <laughs> and he looks with full con- confidence, like that was the answer that he wanted. <laughs> uh, no, it's like deflates. Okay. Follow up question. Can you make this fabulous? Tanninger knows he shouldn't do this, but it would be very funny to say, never, boss. <laughs> and this was um, not a, this was a planned bit in his head, not a drunken mistake. <laughs> okay, roll a roll a reflex save for me. Whoa, uh, that will be a seventeen. Seventeen. Okay, you see a blur of motion, and you're able to just kind of dart your head to the left as Nullisek's gigantic battle axe comes like arcing up from the floor in two hands. And embeds quivering in the table like an inch in front of you, barely missing the Savavar. I will ask you this again, horn boy. 
Mr. Goat, can you make this fabulous for Lucille? And you see Lucille go... I, I knew you'd do this. I knew you would bully the pl- proletariat. You're just like any other business owner. And he's like, uh, quiet, girl. Telepathic message to my homies. Great. I've already ingratiated myself in her graces. <laughs> <laughs> Olive walks behind Nulasag. Can I roll a stealth roll? Is that okay? Are, are you trying to do it stealthily? Yeah. You're trying to sneak up behind him? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, I'm I'm just a monk. I'm not a thief or anything. So that's a 12. <laughs> a, tw- a 12? Well, you're completely out of his sight, but he's certainly not paying attention to you. Maybe he sees you in this peripheral vision. But his, his, he's focused on giving uh, Tanager the, like, death stare of compulsion. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm tempted to pick him up, but I'm not, I feel like that would be condescending. So I'm going to pick the axe up out of the table and try to, like, separate him from the giant weapon, if that's possible. I have a carrying capacity of lifting and carrying... Um, 180 pounds max carrying, 360 pushing and dragging, 360 max lift. So I can just lift this axe out of the table. I think. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I have a very, I have a very important question. Has me saying that bad joke to this moment been roughly six seconds? Uh, if she started moving after the axe in bed, yes. I would so- like to cast. Um. Oh, what's the name of it? I believe it's Gift of Gab. Oh, no. <laughs> I pay two gold pieces and a target forgets what I've said in the last six seconds. The verbal component of this spell is whatever I choose to say. And what I choose to say is, of course, boss. Um, does he get a saving throw? Uh, no, it's a dirty little spell. Okay. Uh- <laughs> God, I wish I'd had this on dates. Um, I sent you the sheet, baby. I would have run out of gold. Okay, you speak the enchant. Uh, you speak the, uh, the the command phrase, uh, the replacement phrase, and you see uh, Nullisag's eyes momentarily do a reverse roll in their sockets, like a, it looks almost like a slot machine going over once. And he blinks and his axe is gone in Olive's hand somewhere above his, way above his height, even on the stool. Um, and he's kind of just blinking around trying to work out why, why his axe is there, what's just happened. Um, but he's like, okay, good, 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 good. Oh, we don't have, we don't have a lot of time. And Lucille, you're still dressed in your propaganda skirt. And, uh, and she goes... But, but Godfather, I'm a, I'm a walking billboard for the movement. And like, you gotta say, like, she's pretty enough, um, that she's sort, like, she's pulling it off, but in the sense that if you're like a pretty girl and and you're not wearing a ton of clothes, it can be sackcloth and you can sort of get away with it, but it's certainly not a, a fabulous, uh, prom dress, um. And she's like, and, and anyway, we have to we have to leave within the hour. I have no time for you to turn me into one of your capitalist strumpets. Tanger speaks up. We have an hour. She's she's like, well, I guess. Telepathy to my homies. Get Nulisag out of this room right now. 
this is we're in crisis mode. Get him out <laughs> and away. Meet back up with me, and us three need to talk and confer. Can can they talk back to you, or can with telepathy, or is it only no, one way? It's only okay. one way. Okay. It's it's not a good. It's not a spell. It's just like an ability. Okay. So so you guys hear that in your heads. Yeah, so, so Furious Johnson, he, he strolls up to, to, to Nulasag and uh, he, he taps Nulasag on the shoulder and he says, look, puts his arm around his shoulder and says, come on, come on, man. We've got Tanager here, right? You know he's good at this stuff. Why don't we just get out of his hair? Let's mooch off to the back. Let's maybe put some bacon sandwiches on. Let's maybe get, let's get them back for these four boys that are clearly still suffering here. And let's just leave these guys to sort of sort things out amongst themselves. Hey, come on, let's go, let's go. Uh, okay, roll a persuasion check with advantage because of Tanager's reputation as a as a party ambassador. Cool, cool. I'll get a plus two. Okay, well, let's hope it comes out better than that one. 14. Uh, plus two, 16. 16. Okay. Six, um, he's like, he's, he's still very, very hyped up, but he's in that state of when, like, you're overexcited and overhyped, but you know you are. And so you're, he, he seems amenable. He's like, well... I guess I guess Tanager does know what he's doing. This is parties are his thing, and he clambers down, back down off the the stool. Olive, you're still. Uh, what are you doing with his axe? I'm taking it back upstairs to his office and leaving it there so that he'll have it for later, but not right now. Okay, so Olive, you wander off. To, uh, you wander off towards uh, Nulasag's office to stash his axe, um, and Furious, you lead. Uh, you lead Nullisag back uh, back into the sort of kitchen area um, where with the chef you can kind of try to get him calmed down, try to get some grease into him uh, to, to reset his humours. Do you guys both come back once you've done that or do you do you stay? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I pass him off to the to the chef in the kitchen. I'd, I'd nudge the chef, say, look, look after him. I think he's, he's a bit jittery. Give, give him some bacon sandwiches and I'll just be out front. Scream if you need me. You come back to find uh, the the tall the tall blonde lug, who's the uh, who's Luciel's uh, companion, um, in sort of in, in in like debating with her though not really, um, uh, and he's just like maybe the movement would really like seeing you in a nice dress. Um, that would be maybe that would be nice. Yeah, this guy sucks. I'm going to walk forward and yeah. talk to her. Um, so I'm going to be like, hey, Lucille, I'm Olive. And do you know, I'm going to just chat with you away from all these guys because I don't think they get it. So I'm going to say Lucille. She she kind of obedi- uh, uh, obediently uh, follows you. Yeah, and I give her a croissant. And I'm like, so <laughs> what's the best way to get your message across to the proletariat? Um, she kind of says, well, I've tried pamphlets and I've tried lecturing them and, and that seems, and that seems to work. They always say I'm very nice and, and that they will think about what I've said. Um, and they ha they haven't overthrown the authorities yet, but, uh, I'm sure they will. Well, there's another way that I think you're very clever and you've thought of this, but what if when you are the prom queen and all of their eyes are on you, you use that moment and you take that power for your own and you do something with it that they will never forget. 
something that will really stick in their hearts and change their minds and cause them to overthrow the merchant oppressors. You've got a chance, girl. You've got a moment of their time when they're looking at you. Don't waste it. Roll a persuasion check. Oh, gosh, darn it. No. <laughs> Why do you let Olive talk? <laughs> uh, is there a chance Tanger would have overheard this enough to give her a bardic inspiration? Uh, I'm going to say you, you don't overhear the specific words, but you can see Olive in like an impassioned attempt. I mean, it's a crocodile giving an impassioned speech, so it's mildly <laughs> terrifying. But <laughs> Tanager was also going to intercept that blonde Hulk because he sucks. Oh. So, yeah. like, even if he, he, like, probably him and Olive were crossing the room at the same time to do the same thing. And maybe in that moment, he just, like, gave her a wink and was like, all right, you got this, girl. Okay. You got bardic inspiration. <laughs> and then I tap up Furious and I'm like, let's get this guy out and then just straight up bully him. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, and then I go to like do a fist bump with Furious. I'm like, "What's up, dude? I haven't seen you in a couple days since the fish fry." <laughs> You're level ten, so I'm not going to make you roll to see if the fist bump like connects or if you massively embarrass yourselves. Uh, I'm a professional party <laughs> animal, sir. <laughs> I've never missed a fist bump in my life. No, Furious Johnson's not about to start missing that kind of shit now. Definitely not. Uh, You are uh, actively baby-oiled, so that would be difficult. (laughs) It might might slip, but we'll make an initial contact. Uh, Olive, what did you roll with Uh, the body? Man, so I have a negative one in charisma, listeners. So negative one persuasion, but with, I think it's a D6 tanager for your bardic inspiration. Yeah, I'm not really good at being a bard. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. That really helped. And then I, yay, I got an 18 on the dice. Whoa. So overall, Whoa. it's a 24, I think. I'm not good at math. No, 22. Yeah. 20, uh, 22. You paint this picture in her mind of her up on stage. All of the kids, their eyes glued up to her, like listening enthralled as in her mind, she is just delivering this masterclass of oratory. And then all of them rise up, cast <laughs> off imaginary chains and march off to liberate the workers uh, uh, of the entire city and its surrounds and usher in a glorious revolution. And you can like see the fires behind her eyes as she's sort of picturing herself as Che Guevara kind of, you know, beret on and like everybody's looking at her and but she's an equal but she's in the lead up but she's equal uh, it's not the most coherent vision imaginable but she uh, she loves it she's like so what the working class needs is an enlightened leader <laughs> to lead them to overthrow and create a leaderless society Exactly, and that is why a dress is important, for no other reason. It's like, I I will do this, Olive. I will sacrifice myself and wear a gown (laughs) for the working people. Yeah, put on your battle gear. (laughs) This is Tanager's core belief. Like... Okay, what uh, t- what at Tanager? You and Furious. What are you guys doing with uh, uh, this big blood guy, who's just kind of just just quietly like standing there? I just do a telepathic message to him and go, "Bad cop, mean cop." <laughs> <laughs> 
we got this. <laughs> who's, who's, who's bad and who's mean? <laughs> I think. I don't know. I think uh, from from my side, Tanager definitely seems like the more sort of psychologically manipulative out of the two of us. Oh, whereas yeah. Furious is probably just going to kick the guy in the shins a few times and <laughs> make him cry. <laughs> well, we yeah. Uh, I guess like I I see like the murderous grin, not murderous, but like the shin kicking grin in your face. <laughs> And then I just send you a message in your head saying, like, let's just check his deal. And if he's a total nerd, we'll scare him off. Because, like, there's got to be. We we know we know him and Furious have got a little bit of a cross 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 pass thing going on. here. He didn't like me from the start, did he? When we were sat down at the bar chatting about overthrowing and revolutions and stuff. So, um, like, Furious turns around and says, so, oi, you. Who even are you, mate? What are you doing here? What's your deal, eh? Uh, he uh, he looks down at you uh, and scratches his head. Uh, hi, uh, uh, I'm Frank. And his voice is like deep for a teenager. He's like one of those kids whose voice broke at like 14. Just comes rumbling out of his chest. It's not, he's not deliberately making it menacing. It's just like this deep voice. And he's like, hi, uh, I'm, I'm Frank. I'm Lucille's friend. We, we were going to go to prom t- together um but but now and he just kind of looks around and he, he seems more like confused you, you get the strong vibe you get is like simple lad farm boy why would she do that though uh he like he, how he... long have you even known each other like what do you just follow her like around and like you're just the old what's going on do you do you not have any other girls who like he he kind of uh so so throughout all, all of that once you get to the question of like when you when you ask if there are other girls you like he like br- blushes blushes crimson and it's it's slightly disconcerting because he's like this huge huge lad uh and his like face is, is going red who, who who said i like uh we we just we we just like we've been friends for like a long time, uh, and like um, uh, uh, I just uh, I we're going to prom together cause 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 I I asked I guess, but but like uh, shut up. <laughs> First of all, you shut up, sir, and secondarily, okay. gosh darn it, furious! I think I found myself a side quest. <laughs> this guy is pitiful. He, huh. yeah, he is sort of so, so furious. Furious grabs Tanager and sort of backs off to the side and he says, "Yeah, because yeah, you know, we don't want to talk." Literally, I know he's a big dumb slab of a slab of a human, but you know we can't yeah, he, say this so completely sad. to his face. And yeah, but he's he's kind of sweet as well. I mean, he's obviously not a bad dude. He's just a lummox, right? He doesn't he doesn't. I don't think he right. means any harm to anyone. But yeah, well, what else are we gonna do? We, we, if 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 look, she needs a date for the prom, right? That that's the that's the oh. that's the point here. She needs what? someone to be going with her. I mean, if it's not him, who else is it gonna be? Literally, Enzo and a decent illusion wizard for like a hundred <laughs> gold can fix her whole situation in like five minutes. Like I have some druids who can do a flower carriage and then you just illusion rose petals into like little bits of her personal philosophy journal and like scatter that around. She'll love it. She'll have a beautiful night. But like 
this guy is tragic. <laughs> uh, he is. He is. Fur- Furious wants to defend him, but he really can't. Because yeah, you're right. He is tragic. <laughs> the whole time, you, you, so, the, so, whole, the, the whole time you're having this discussion, Frank's just sitting there at the table, slowly eating baked goods. Like just he doesn't quite know what to do, so he's just like one croissant after another is just disappearing into this void. Tanninger is also not whispering. <laughs> <laughs> just full on. So um, right, we're going to need a little, just a little uh, uh, sort of listener listen educational break for the, the, the British on the on the podcast here because we don't understand how these how these problems actually work, right? So it's a debut prom queen. Call. Prom queen needs to have a prom king. Yeah, you don't you don't get one or the other. Yes, I but mean, they're both voted. Yeah, it's mm. a. It's a so you get them from two separate couples sometimes. So one yeah. one, one person from one couple, right? Yeah, and then they have a dance. And then sometimes in okay. movies, like it's like the nerdy girl and the really handsome guy, and then the mean girl gets mad. And then sometimes people get blood poured on them. And that's America, <laughs> baby. <laughs> that's, that's Carrie, the baby. Movie Carrie by in book. Yeah, yeah, okay. Book Carrie by Stephen King. Um. So. Some schools, you have to buy tickets in pairs, and the only way to go to a prom is to have a a male-female pair buy a pair of tickets, which is an interesting, outdated concept. You can't dance and eat here unless you have a (laughs) reproductive mate. So it's weird, but that's how they sell tickets. Um, Well, and a fun fact, the original like prom is short for promenade, which is comparative to a debutante ball which is based Mm -hmm. around the idea that you are presenting a viable woman of marrying age basically like a you know uh, what's it called when you sell animals (laughs) stockyard it's like a a stockyard auction yeah (laughs) it's a horrible outdated concept (laughs) recently it has turned into all the kids like to get together and have a party because kids don't have a lot of history with parties. It's like their first big group party with like fancy decorations and like, oh, is somebody going to have a limo in the school? Oh, I heard they were going to have a limo. Like, So it's like um, because they've never gone to a fancy convention center before and eaten like a, a filet mignon. Whoa, your first filet mignon. <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh, a DJ. I've heard about those, but I've never seen one. So like it's and oh, I've never actually owned a, you know, one third of my monthly rent dress before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's a big um, way to blow it out when you're a teen. And that's why yeah. this group is so focused on like, honestly, kind of whatever with our boss like let's let this crazy little communist have her night (laughs) and 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 just just a flag grew up in australia we don't have proms either so what i've got envisaged is sort of halfway between a massive party and debutante ball um that's what the image i had in my head when i was building this adventure full disclosure i don't know what america's like yes Uh, also a lot of movies i guess this is a family-friendly podcast, but uh, Tandra Goodfellow also had a little less wholesome version of prom, put it that way. <laughs> I, I would imagine. It is um, a bit of a party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, uh, so 
uh, Frank seems uh, Frank seems sad, but is perhaps used to being slightly bullied or, or talked about in the third person, and is very much like eating his feelings. Like, okay, Sam, I'm gonna need you to sit here until someone comes for you. You okay doing that? Seems like that's kind of your deal. Uh, he he like his name's Frank. But Whatever, he's like, dude. okay. <laughs> he's like, he registers that you've called him by his own name, but seems like too, too like, okay, to, to like correct you. He's like, yes, sir. And just like pours himself coffee and just continues, continues munching, munching away. Um, cool. Uh, and then again, as I walk with Furious, again, not whispering, I'm like, don't feel bad. We're going to fix this whole night. Uh, we just got to check in with Olive and the girls because I need my curry because she's got to go run a couple errands for me before this eve's over. We have like 52 minutes. <laughs> you got it. You're the man with the plan. Let's go. Um, okay. I uh, for, the, for the interests of uh, time and getting the thing moving, um, I am going to f- uh, not so much fast forward, but sort of growth action sequence this um, tanager. So, tell us what you do to her. She she's bought into the need to buy a dress. She will. She is in your hands. What happens with the dress, the carriage? What do you do? Okay, so I'm thinking an asymmetrical empire waist a line dress. So it's like one bare shoulder, one strap over the other shoulder. Uh, but the bare shoulder has one of those, like, hanging things that, like, goes to your finger and, like, connects to a finger ring. Mm-hmm. And originally it was lace, but now knowing her a little bit better, it's going to be, like, still lace, but in the pattern of just, like, her favorite crazy nonsense slogans. So it's envisioning her original, like, protest dress... But it's, like, a little bit more classy, and basically the fringes of the dress are just the cream of the crop. And Tanager will spend, like, literally, like, five minutes scrolling through her nonsense, being like, okay, I guess this makes sense, this is a good concept, like, people will agree with this, and really try to find, like, she's a smart girl and has good ideas. I want to find those in her journal, and then, therefore, present it on her dress. He's also going to his druid friends who have a, uh, oh, I forgot to write down the type of carriage. Darn it. Um, but it is a carriage with a driver pulled by two horses. And in like the real world, they fold out from the middle on a good day. But because this is fantasy, it is a big flower petal. So instead of folding in half, it's going to unveil her like the center of a flower. And then, like I said before, little bits of like rose petals would normally go, but they're just going to be excerpts of her manifesto. (laughs) But the good parts. Um, And then pulled by the carriage will be two druids that are able to uh, cast wild shape. They will originally appear as horses and then turn into men as a point that anyone who works under another is nothing more than a beast. Just to back her up. And then I'm going to make sure those four drunk guys are as far away as possible. And 
Uh, also buy my friends new outfits. Okay. Though I would like for my furious. I want my group's input for you know, of course, if you have any yeah. ideas. Fu- furious only has one request. Uh, he wants a cape. And uh, he wants the cape to be like this kind of manuscript too, with all this kind of flowing, flowing writing over the cape. As it, so it looks like a, exactly like her dangling ring thing, but in in cape format. Okay. Ooh. And I would like a basket with like beautiful confetti that, when you look at it, has the writing one sentence on each piece of confetti, so I can like throw it before her as she walks, and then like around her, like really prettily. Okay. Um. I, I'm going to say you are able to find all of those things with your various connections to the city, largely through Tanager's connections with druid friends, uh, illusion wizards, uh, a conjuration and trans- transfiguration wizard. Um, it's some it's some hasty work um, and ends up costing you a, a decent amount of gold, but not anything you can't uh, you can't afford. Um, so it comes to about a total of 120 gold between the three of you, including the rentals. Tanager will foot the bill for all of it, and okay. he'll round it up to 150 just for tips and rush job, but he really wants to get his friends together and basically, like, sit in the window looking at that guy munching pastries, and then look at them both and go, what are we going to do about this, though? Like, he basically sends messengers to do her stuff and is going mm-hmm. to spend the majority of it. The last 15 minutes, he'll do her makeup and primp her up and, like, give her bardic inspiration and stuff. So, like, she doesn't totally flub it when she talks. But, uh, yeah, I'm concerned about Trevor. I'm actively not remembering his name. <laughs> Trevor. <laughs> oh, well, that little hot dog. What should we do about him? Furious ideas. Well, I mean, you know, I'm I'm quite on board with this with 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 uh, Nigel in the corner over there. He's um, you know, he's a big he's a big lummox of a lad, but he, he's quite he's a good looking dude, right? He, you know, she needs someone on his arm. I just think as long as he doesn't speak to anyone at any point during the whole evening, <laughs> well, we're probably going to be all right. It's like, why is he like this? It, <laughs> Does does he really believe in her cause, or is it just a crush? I mean, I could use a spell, but like... Uh. Oh yeah, let me go ask. Alright, Olive and Furious together go up to him, because Furious, you know him. So, hey, I'll be like, can you introduce me to him and let's see what he's like. So, uh, 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 Stephen, um, this is... Uh... <laughs> It's always funny. <laughs> this is. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna run with this all the way through. Steve, Steve, um, uh, I'd like you to meet my friend Olive. Olive's Olive's getting involved. She's managed to have a, a nice chat with uh, 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 Lucille, Lucilla, uh, Lucilia, yeah, Lucilia. Um, we've we've got Lucilia down. She understands the prom. We're gonna get nice. She's gonna look look really classy, really classy lady. But I got to be honest, dude, we're a little bit worried about your part in this. You know, we really she needs to be shining in this. So. Olive, my friend here, she got a few questions for you. She's just going to try. We're going to just going to try and work things out with you. So, Olive, Olive, far away. What, what, what are you thinking? When you first start stuttering and you keep saying Stephen, he like keeps looking over his shoulder, and it takes him like three sentences until he figures out you're talking to him, and he kind of refocuses on you, Olive. <laughs> so, David, um, <laughs> Teddy is cackling. <laughs> how long have you known Lucilia? When did you meet? 
uh since we since we were since we were kids when we when we started school okay so you know her pretty well then so what do you think would make her happy tonight he kind of uh scratches his head um well she's always happy when she gets to talk to people about the workers i guess and when they don't walk away and call her names okay so he's actually pretty insightful uh the next thing i say is gonna be like an obvious trap there we go so furious let's put her in a mini skirt let's put her in a tank top and let's get them talking about how hot she is am i right furious that totally sounds good to me what do you think roger uh so so uh, a couple things happen first when he says that first you see his brain switch off for a good four seconds as he pictures that and it genuinely you can almost see his mind rebooting in real time like the fans start working again the water cooling goes through uh kind of blinks um she's never really been into like girly stuff like that and then he looks at you, Olive, really apologetically, like he doesn't know if he's allowed to say girly. Um, and he, but he just like doesn't know the term. She normally, she's always talking about wanting like coveralls, like I wear at the smithy. But, but dad says she can't work at the smithy because she can't lift the hammer. Um, but but I'm, I'm sure you know best. Furious, what do you think? Um, <laughs> he tried to protect her interests, and he's. Are you saying this out loud directly no, in no, front no, of no. him? Okay. <laughs> so how Olive feels is that this guy has tried to protect her interests by saying, "Like, hey, don't put her in a miniskirt." Actually, even though I really like that, and said <laughs> that it, like clearly his dad is telling him that she can't do things, and then she's reacting to this external force on her being like, but I want to try it. My friend does it. I've grown up with him. Why can't I try? And so it's probably just being told that she can't do something that she's reacting to unless of like a, she obviously doesn't experience the proletariat burden. <laughs> she's just, no. she just wants to try stuff like two, you know? So, um, and, and this, I, and this is what I like about, what I like about Frank, right? He's he's supportive of that. He's on board with it. It might yeah. be in you know some kind of blissful ignorant state of that he's in, rather than actually active. But no, he's he's fully supportive of Lucilia, and he wants to get behind her and support. No, I, I I'm yeah. the more we talk to this little kid, the more I think he's he's actually he's all good. He's all right by me. He's a he's an idiot. There's no doubt about that. But, yeah, but, 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 but he's young. an idiot with a heart of gold, you know, yeah. and let's, I think, I think we should do right by this kid. I think he should be up there front and center. I mean, he looks the part, right? Big yeah. strapping lad. Uh, She's arms. less likely to smithy arms, you know, big old, <laughs> big old, big old broad shoulders and all the rest of it. So no, no, I, I, I think we should, we should get him on board. I think, I think we need to get Tanager's help for, yeah. you know, some kind of, some kind of outfit for this guy. But I think we should tell Tanager that, we 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 need him. We need him up front, front and center with Olive, uh, with Lucilia. So sharing that look between us, we go back to Tanager, and we're like, let's make this guy dress him up nice, make him look attractive, make him look like they're the power couple tonight. <sighs> oh my god, I'm gonna have to cast detect thoughts. Okay, 
Do, do we know? What? Have we got any kind of option amongst us to just just silence him though? No, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, because <laughs> there's some part of this sponge that must have absorbed what she's been saying. So, like, we need to get him to say, like, to support her in a meaningful way. And, like, that's the best gesture of love. Whatever he's absorbed in his time with her, he needs to be able to regurgitate that, you know? And yeah. I, I feel like we do a dramatic en- entrance, I guess. Do, does anyone know, like, a bird guy? We could do <laughs> doves. That's always pretty impressive. But, uh. I eat doves. Yes, doves are delicious. We're not talking about how delicious birds are right now. Um, but, uh, we need to give him a complimentary outfit. But what his words need to say is, like, I mean, cause this dude is obviously proletariat. You think he's, where, where you think he's going? He's going in a factory. honestly he's the perfect match for her right now and i'm sure she'll grow out of him halfway through magic college but like right now this is like i said this is her night and this is her night and he looks at you hoping Uh. you get the pun (laughs) i i I think i think we need to maybe for that pun hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe if we give him like four or five sentences right if we if we can just get four or five you know bite-sized sentences in this kid's head that he can just sort of churn out over and over again whenever someone says something vaguely intelligent to him and he needs to respond that's all we need well that's the best part he doesn't have to say him we just literally put it on his outfit that's what i did to her <laughs> so they'll match and it'll be super cute and it'll be like Hey girl, what's up? I get you. And then he just hopefully will. Oh my god, do I have to tell him how to flirt with a girl? <laughs> <laughs> he might. He might need to help hand with that. But we good with that. It's all right. It's all right. Let's 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 get him decked out. Uh, cool. So all I'm gonna do, I'm gonna let my friends do an interrogation about how much he knows about communist theory, <laughs> and I'm gonna cast detect thoughts on him. Uh. That gets his surface thoughts without him knowing. And if I feel something interesting, he can make a wisdom check to prevent me probing deeper into his mind. Okay. Which, even if he succeeds, I'm just going to tell him to shut up. Okay. <laughs> In the interest of time, we're going to speed frame this uh, as well. <laughs> um, you interrogate him about the plight of the workers and the inevitable uprising of the working class uh, against the powers of capital and inequality. Uh, the whole um, the whole time, the surface level thoughts that are coming off him, uh, Tanager, are basically somewhere around panic. Like this is probably the most cerebral conversation he's had in a while. Uh, his part in the relationship with Luciel is much more nodding and smiling and agreeing and going, aha, uh-huh, than engaging in an exploration of, you know, the, the, the offsets in the society between the need for structured governance and the need for like a worker led workplace. Um, but he's the very, very core concept is like he, you get the, he works at a smithy. His dad works there too, but his dad isn't the boss. And both he and his dad work very, very hard, 
but most of what they make doesn't go to them. So they're also quite poor. Whereas the person who owns their smithy is very, very rich. And he recognizes that that's not fair because he never sees that person working. But he owns the smithy and he makes them rent the tools. He won't sell them the tools. So he's he's kind of... He's on the periphery of like... Underst- he understands why effectively indentured servitude um, and rent slavery is bad. And he can kind of articulate that by mostly just sharing his story even though he understands none of the theory okay i tanager is just going to tell him very simply there is no shame in not understanding something and honestly i think your little paramour would love nothing more than to explain her theory deeply and often to you so maybe you should ask her to explain things more and then maybe you'll get it, dude. But you're you're pretty smart. You're you're a quick guy. But this might I'm gonna make it real simple. This is a good excuse to talk to her. <laughs> uh. And he's all like bashful, like why would I why do you think I would wanna like talk do, do you really think so? <laughs> I'm gonna do something to you. Oh no. You know what? No, I think you're smart enough. I'm not gonna charm person you. You got this, dude. Trust me as okay. a friend without magical influence. Persuasion check. <laughs> okay, you know what it is, Give us another 27 baby. or whatever it is. It's a, tw- it's a respectable 22. But hey, if it makes you feel better, it was a four on the dice. <laughs> so, uh, so um, he's, he kind of, he wants to hear it. Part of what makes you so persuasive is I guess this is stuff that he deep down really, really wants to hear. Um, he's also very, very suggestible. Um, uh, and he's like, oh, okay, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try. Uh, I'll do it. I will ask things. And he kind of <laughs> looks off into the middle distance. Um, Tan- and he's got Tanager like he's start- got the square jaw. He looks. He's got this kind of like young Liam Neeson, young Steve <laughs> Rogers thing going on, where like he he looks heroic and determined, even if there isn't necessarily a whirl going up upstairs. And he definitely doesn't know what the word paramour means. So for a good part of your speech, he was just trying to figure out who you were talking about. But he got it in the end. Uh, cool. So we are going to to speed frame this slightly. He is now putty in your collective hands. Is young Frank, Steve, Drew, Jake, Bill. Uh, how would you like to, to doll him up? I assume this was to Furious. Really, <laughs> it's to all of you. <laughs> Furious just looks to the side at Tanager and says, do your thing, buddy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Olive, you're an outside person, right? Yeah. He needs to get her a corsage. Oh, I'll be right back. Furious, do you happen to know how to dance? Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, I've got some pretty fleet feet, yeah. All right, well, then uh, Tanager sends for another courier to basically be like, I just need a basic paper. Like, uh, I also uh, dressed her in, like, bleached parchment colors, like ivory and, like, a sort of, like, light tan to, like, complement it. So, same thing for him. Just literally put some fringe on it. I'll hire another illusionist. I got some more gold to spend. But, like, not more than 50. 
you know. And then the rest of the time, I guess we just got to teach this guy how to dance because talking's not his strong suit. You can do all that. I'm going to say it's going to cost you about 40 gold to, to fix him up just because so much of it is a rush job. Um, and actually most off the rack stuff doesn't fit this guy because he's, uh, he's just a bit big, uh, and oh. his shoulders are broad enough. So there's a lot of, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to imply that Tanager would ever shop off the rack. I'm just saying in an emergency. <laughs> uh, no, well, I was just going to say Tanager will then just, uh, rip the suit in any tense parts and then put in like very highly patterned fabrics and then cast mending to bind them all together and just like quick stitch like so it actually like fits him nicely cuz no man looks good in an ill-fitting suit for the for the audience at home the look i got from Tanager's player uh, when i said off the rack may have caused me physical damage <laughs> and i would like to note I have been wearing a necktie this entire game cuz we're going to prom and no one has mentioned it <laughs> it looks fabulous. When you did mention the heat in your room, and I saw you wearing a necktie, I thought this 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 is a guy that clearly is dedicated to fashion. Clearly. I spent ten minutes on YouTube before this game, but I want some gosh darn credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine poor Frank trying to do a tie without the benefit of YouTube? <laughs> Just like reading a manuscript, like this is like getting too meta. The end. <laughs> Um, okay, so you uh, you uh, you complete the makeovers of uh, Lucilia and uh, and Frank. You assemble your each individual outfits, um, looking fabulous and mar- uh, marginally People's Revolution themed, or at least prepared to spread confetti in the name of the People's Revolution. And you head outside to where um, Tanager's rented. Uh, carriage flower sits ready to to take you all on board um at uh perhaps reading into an unspoken signal from uh furious frank like hurries forward and offers his like giant elbow to help uh uh, to help lucilia climb the steps uh, into the carriage in her in her gown um uh, and uh, you can see uh, Nulisag, who's finally come out, uh, and he's standing there in his finery, watching his goddaughter climb into this carriage with a hunking lunk of a uh, prom king plutonic date, uh, and the rest of you. And it's all very, very beautiful. And you could just see like a single tear rolling down his cheek and getting lost in his bushy beard. He turns to to you, Furious, and you and you, Olive, uh, and you, Tanager, and says. It's just, it's just like how I imagined it, but with, with a flower and it's just so beautiful. And he kind of wave, he waves goodbye and stumbles back into the guild. He's, he's not coming. He's not coming with you. He's too overwrought with emotion. It doesn't want you all to see it in front of his employees. Um, you can see the, the horse druids already, um, who have already wild shaped into these beautiful, um, beautiful stallions, one black, one white, are already yoked up to this carriage and kind of standing there looking at you expectantly and waiting for you all to climb inside. Any last things you want to do before you get on the way? Uh, I don't mean to be difficult, but we're definitely not getting in the carriage with them. That's their moment. Okay. 
Like, mm-hmm. we'll we'll follow behind, you know. Like, not super far, but, like, you know, that's their, that's their moment. They come out together, you know. I don't want to... Okay. Tanninger is deeply resisting stealing the moment, but knows it would be wrong. <laughs> sure. Um, how do you want to... I mean, it's going to be a carriage pulled by horses. How do you want to keep up? Uh, the, the two monks could probably just... You can probably just outrun horses. Um, I don't know what Tadage's plan is. I guess he'll he'll mirthful leap. He's in a good mood. <laughs> You're just going to skip. Okay. So, I, think, oh, I mean, uh, we can... Very... Oh, sorry, continue, Furious. Mm-hmm. I was, I was going to say, so we can... we can, I mean, we could be on the carriage, right? Like, there's Someone's got to drive the carriage. Oh, uh, yeah. Th- so... Yeah, I don't so, mind so being up front as the carriage the, driver. If the, there is a front step and a back step, it's made out of like interwoven vines, so it fits nicely into the decor of the carriage. So definitely, uh, one of you could sit up front with the. You don't need reins because the the druid horses are <laughs> sentient, and so would probably resent brittles and bits. But uh, you can certainly sort of sit up front and point them where to go, or just generally hang out on the front. Oh, Furious will jump hop on the back. He, he can be like a sort of footman type type character and all this, just, just dangling off the back seat. And then Tanager and Olive up front leading the way. I kind of want Olive to cling underneath just because that's fun. <laughs> okay. Tanager would like just one moment to present Curry with a corsage and ask her to prom. Uh, Sorry. My- gonna, gonna have- oh, you're- yeah, sorry. Yes. Blank for a moment. Um, would- uh, would she accept, do you think? Uh, as not, like, it's just a formal gesture of like, hey, you want to go to prom with me? Like, two buddies goofing around, like, we have to go anyway. But, like, I would like to make a little bit of a show of it. Oh, the chaperone uh, in-joke. We're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay. They, um, they kind of pretend to be shocked. They do that whole thing of like the the fiance to be when the uh, when the prospective husband gets down on one uh, one knee and they kind of fan themselves and look around to make sure that everyone could see this glorious moment. Yes, yes, by all my stars, yes. <laughs> uh, Tanninger is just giggling, takes her up in his arms, and then just mirthful leaps until he can hop on the back of the carriage. <laughs> okay, so uh, and uh, Olive, you wanted to climb under the carriage and just cling on. <laughs> I kind of think that would be funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, technically, that's the only way we all fit. <laughs> yeah. And that would be also- awesomely scary as well to arrive outside the prom and see this like six foot crocodile clamber off the bottom <laughs> of the carriage and, and come into this the equation. This isn't mission impossible. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so I'm going to say make an athletics check to see if you can cling on the entire time or if this turns out to be a horrible idea. These kind of antics are why I took proficiency in athletics, because I'm a dex person, not a strength person, but I knew I'd need it. Okay. Proficiency means that's a plus five to my seven. Oh, so that's Olive, a 12? 12? Olive, I just 12? bought you that outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you clamber on under this carriage and you you latch on with, like, all four paw claws and, like, you've managed to wrap your tail. She has a tail. 
uh, wrap a wrap your tail around like one of the vile vines trading off the, and you're like clinging on for dear life. But I'm gonna say that the way that you're clinging on isn't super super secure. So you will make the journey, but getting out of the city, you take. Uh, this is mighty wonderful. You take four points of bludgeoning damage as like <laughs> protruding cobblestones and stuff that you're not quite secure enough to dodge around when they see them coming. Just bounce off the back of your skull over the course of over the course of this journey. Just note that down. Ow! 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, so you uh, you clamber on. Uh, we've got Tanager at the front and Furious at the back. What's our order? I think so. Yeah. That's it. Yes. And then I guess Curry would be sitting in my lap. Yeah, and then Curry's sitting <laughs> in your lap. Do but you like, want to describe do you want to describe Curry for the listeners? Uh would Olive like to describe Curry for the listeners? Yes. I have received coaching on this. So Curry would describe herself as non binary. And um if you guys have ever seen Fruits Basket, how there's a spa worker who is more comfortable and less stressed by dressing in female clothes in public and it helps them interact with groups in a much less anxiety filled way to dress like that so she would like to be referred to with she pronouns okay and she has chestnut colored long brown hair what is she human human okay tanninger's main girl curry uh, his absolute best friend and confidant. Excellent. Don't tell Mooncloud that. <laughs> Mooncloud. Oh, oh no! I, like, oh no! I feel like I need. I feel like I need a spreadsheet just to track all of Tanager's various dalliances uh, and interminglings. This is gonna. This could be a Google sheet once this is over. Um, okay. okay, so your Raincloud, please don't beat me up. <laughs> uh you're sitting. Uh, you're sitting on the front with curry. Uh, curry in your slightly furred kimono-clad lap. Um, her, own, oh. uh, her own kimono, graceful silk over her. Um, uh, the the horses. Uh, the horses take off and drive you through the city. Uh, it's quite an unusual procession, even for even for this city. Um, and so you certainly turn. Um, turn eyes as people watch to see this pass by, especially those of the shorter races and children who, in addition to a rolling flower carriage pulled by magnificent horses, see a crocodile, uh, a bipedal crocodile <laughs> cling to the bottom of it, occasionally smashing her head on incoming cobblestones, uh, just kind of stoically cl- clutching on for dear life. I picked this. <laughs> uh, w- one small addendum? Mm-hmm. Everyone is in tuxedos. Uh, Olive, I don't know. Are you feeling tuxedo today or do you want to dress? Sure. Don't care. Absolute big bottom ball gown. Like Victorian hoop skirt. And uh, Curry's in, uh, you know what? Let's give her a mermaid dress. With a deep V. She's now in a mermaid dress. <laughs> but everyone is in prom clothes so we don't look out of place in case we need to hide in a crowd. So- so, so Furious is cool with the majority of that, but he doesn't. He doesn't wear top halves, right? He's got the cape. <laughs> he's got the little sort of the bow tie around the front, but, but and, and the and the and the trousers with the shoes. You know, the little uh, uh, what do you call them, the spats kind of shoes. But just no, no top half coverage. That's just that's his deal. What about a cummerbund? 
Cumberbund, absolutely fine. Okay, cool. That's the one point Tanager would argue. <laughs> it's not a tuxedo without a cummerbund. <laughs> and I'm going to, sure. and I'm going, I'm going to rule that the the kind of belt, the cummerbund that the Tanja would have gotten you. He would have. I would say that Tanja would have had the foresight to make it like effectively water and oil resistant, <laughs> so that the baby oil isn't seeping through. And like ruining your tuxedo pants. I feel like that's the kind of detail Tanager would have taken care of. I totally trust that. I just assumed that was the case, obviously, of course. <laughs> yeah, why, why even say it? <laughs> this is Tanager we're talking about here. He's, he's absolutely got it nailed. Fashion king. <laughs> okay. The, the carriage rolls, uh, rolls through the city and heads in a sort of northwesterly direction. Uh, the horses don't need much in the way of guidance, uh, Tanager, they they know they know where to go. They know where this uh, uh, Lasum, uh, where the Lasum Hall is that has been rented for this promenade, um, and so they click clack their way through um, through the city. Gradually, the cobblestones of the the inner city near the sort of docks, I suppose, are where the Guild Hall is located, um, give way to slightly some of the larger, um, more open streets. Um, uh, and finally to sort of rural roads. And then uh, after perhaps uh, an hour and a half uh, of travel, uh, you enter you enter the outskirts of Lusum Forest. First, you pass through the kind of outer, uh, the larger houses that have a bit of a forest view. And finally into the, the winding roads of the forest itself. Um, you, you would know from your kind of knowledge of generally the area, um, that you're, you're perhaps maybe 15 minutes by carriage ride away from the, um, from the, the venue, uh, and the, the sun, uh, the sun is well and truly set now. Um, the, the, the carriage you're in, um, night flowers open all over it and begin to give off this blue light that bathes the entire thing in, in radiance and lets you kind of see immediately around the carriage. Um, it trails, as it moves, it trails fireflies that kind of linger in the air behind the carriage and create this mystical shimmering in this dark forest uh, road. The uh, the horses don't seem to need much light to see him by any stretch. The road is um, the road is sort of fairly unidirectional with no place to to turn off, um, and you're making excellent time. Though, uh, you, though it's hard to hear over the uh, over the sound of the hooves on the cobblestones and the we- um, and the wheels on the cobbles, uh, you can hear muted conversation from within the flower petal carriage. Um, as it's it's overwhelmingly Lucilia's voice, but you can um, you can sort of make out um, Frank doing his very very best to um, to take Tanager's advice and ask her leading questions about the um, the philosoph- about her philosophy and, and what she'd like to do with it. And he's not super articulate, and you can tell he's very shy in talking to her, despite how long they've known her, especially with her in this incredible dress that you've designed for her tanager but but he you know he is trying and though you can almost feel the heat of his blush like through the wall of the carriage he is doing his his very very best to live up to it Um, and so it's this kind of magical mystical uh moment of as you're in the darkness surrounded by the radiance the fireflies um coming in and you're maybe 10 minutes away now 
when roll a perception check, Tanaja. Oh boy. Okay. Let's check that stat. Roll that dice. Okay. That was an 18 plus four is a 20. My favorite number, 22. <laughs> 22. Okay. Well, despite, uh, despite the familiar presence of curry uh, in your lap and the magic of the moment, you, you still keep your eyes peeled. And that is why you receive a one second warning as you hear a piercing whistle as if something is moving through the air rapidly. And something small comes hurtling in from above in the front left directly towards the carriage. And then suddenly the world explodes in fire. And that's where we're going to take a break. (laughs) Well, that was quite the cliffhanger. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Joining us this time were Olive Mardo. Bye. Tanager Goodfellow. Uh Uh-oh. And Furious Johnson. Oh, see you next time. (laughs) We hope that you're enjoying this episode of the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes.com. If you leave us a review, we'll read it on air. It's fun listening to the words of your review get read by the characters you know and love. So go to iTunes.com and leave us a review today. Can you think of someone who might enjoy this podcast? Please share it with them. Is their birthday coming up? A special anniversary? Would you like us to wish them a happy day on your behalf? You can arrange for us to read your shout-out on air at firebreathingkittenspodcast.com through our partnership with the website Buy Me a Coffee. Do you enjoy reading books? You can find paperbacks and ebooks based on our adventures on Amazon.com in the bookstore, Fire Breathing Kittens, that part's all one word, podcast. The authors do a great job of adapting the stories into fun novels. We also have official merchandise on redbubble.com. Imagine owning a notepad with the Fire Breathing Kitten logo on the front, or a t-shirt with one of your favorite characters. And lastly, I'd like to take a moment to sincerely thank all of you. We don't pay to advertise this show, So the only way we can grow is through the support of listeners like you. Thank you. Tanager, you hear this whistle and you see a a tiny, uh, a small object, kind of considerably smaller than your fist, whistle in from the the top left, um, drop somewhere under the carriage, and then everything is fire. uh, All all of you feel yourselves hurled up. For you... um, uh, for you, Olive, it's just kind of suddenly you're like you're in there bouncing along under the carriage and suddenly there's kind of searing heat and force as you're lifted up along with this carriage and kind of hurled off the side uh, of the road, tumbling end over end. Um, so first of all, could you all please make reflex uh, saving throws? So just hold on. <sighs> Christ mercy, that's a one. Okay. Uh, and then for Furious's player, that's dexterity saving throw. Dexterity saving throw. Dexterity saving might be enough to drag me in. No, oh, no, it's not. No, uh, I'll take a nine on that one. Okay. And Olive? 16. Uh, okay. Oh, Olive, sorry. No, no, does... no. No, I lie. I've got a plus eight on my dexterity, not the plus four. Uh, so eight plus five, 13. 
Olive, you are basically slammed by this wall of heat and force into the bottom oh, of the carriage. I do have evasion as a monk. When you are asked to make a dexterity saving throw to take only half damage, you instead take no damage if you succeed on the saving throw and only half damage if you fail. So I might survive the RPG okay. to the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. You, um, <laughs> you somehow, despite being completely surprised, you like uh, you can't really dodge out of the way. Um, but you're able to bury every part of, like, every sensitive part of you, your underbelly, your face. You just instinctively, your monk reflexes kick in and you just press yourself into the bottom of this so that the flames play over your back, but actually don't manage to do any kind of lasting damage beyond just, like, seriously discombobulating you. Um, Tanager, no such luck. You and Curry are hurled sideways off the carriage uh, and go tumbling into the woods, uh, hitting uh, kind of sliding off trees it's not remotely fatal but you are kind of slightly dazed uh and you take uh six points of bludgeoning damage uh from the fall could i take additional damage to like make sure curry doesn't get injured uh you can try to you can try to keep her safe uh but uh okay so what what i'm gonna get you to do is to give me a dexterity check just straight up Thing and roll your dexterity modifier. Okay, not too bad. That's going to be a seventeen. Seventeen. Okay, you uh, you manage to kind of wrap her in you, basically um, wrapping as much around, and you take the brunt of all of the the fall. Uh, you get slammed with your back into a tree, so you will take double damage because you basically take all of the damage she would have taken. You're eating the momentum for both of them, so you take twelve. But she's dazed and and kind of shocked but but fine she doesn't seem hurt um she's kind of nestled in your arms as you slide down this tree um uh fury uh furious um as soon as the explosion hints you just do a monk front front flip straight off the carriage so the carriage kind of goes tumbling behind you and you just kind of land there and you just see this kind of wall of flame below like peter out at your feet um and, uh, and you look around. You're the one who's probably best able to see uh, what's going on. Um, in f- directly in front uh, uh, of the carriage, uh, you see you see four, f- uh, four figures. Um, three of them are male elves. They are dressed in kind of preppy, preppy sweaters. Um, one of them is wearing a kilt. Uh, he's got... Uh, sorry. Uh, he's got... Uh, a brown hair and he's carrying a golf club and he's just completing his swing. Another one is mounted on a large uh, white steed with go- uh, he's got golden hair and so does his horse and he's carrying this large mallet in both hands. Um, and the third one is a larger sort of stockier elf with uh, raven hair who is carrying what looks like a stick with a net at the end. Now, did Furious attend high school at any point in his no, life? No, absolutely not. Okay. In that case, we're going to get you to roll a history check. Okay. Because this is a six to one pick-up. Uh, minus one on the history. Uh, Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. You are worldly enough, despite having not experienced this yourself, to recognize a polo player and a lacrosse player, <laughs> albeit carrying sort of weirdly modified versions of their gear. Um, 
behind them, you can see uh, a haughty but fairly beautiful teen, uh, teenage elf. Um, she's got kind of flowing gold hair and she's wearing this black ball gown that probably costs as much as the guild hall. Um, uh, and you see her give this mocking high-pitched laugh as uh, um, uh, as she watches the, the carriage go flip over and hit uh, hit into the trees. And she, uh, and she yells, You'll never be prom queen, you upstart peasant. Daddy bought me the crown, fair and square. Get them. And she kind of lifts up her dress and hustles off backwards as the, uh, the guy on the, the polo player and the lacrosse player charge straight at where the carriage is falling. Now, could all of you please roll initiative? Daddy bought me the crown, fair and square. <laughs> That's a great quote. <laughs> uh, 20. Uh, that'll be a rock and six. Non-natural for me. 16. Before any of the rest of you can, uh, can, truly, uh, can truly react, um, the, the, horse riding, the horse riding elf... Um, charges straight forward um, and seeing you still on your feet, uh, Furious, and uh, tries to ride past you and unleash this double-handed blow with his, like, glowing polo mallet. Fucking come at me, bro. <laughs> Does a 20 hit? Well, yes. I mean, in the... Where's my arm class? 15. So, yes, it definitely hits. 15. Oh, 15. Um, okay, so uh, he smashes you with the, this giant mallet, comes straight, hits you straight in the chest, uh, dealing six points of bludgeoning damage, and then flips you straight up into the air, ten feet into the air, and you start to come down. Uh, but I believe uh, you do not take falling damage from such a short height. Is that right? As a monk? Slow fall. Use your reaction when falling to reduce falling damage by an amount equal to five times your monk level. Yeah, okay. He's going to be, he's going to be totes fine. Stupid monks immune to everything. <laughs> so is that, is that a reaction move? Is it that comes yep. in naturally? Okay, cool. So, so you have to declare the reaction right? because you only get one per round. So if you use this, you can't use, for example, tax of opportunity until it becomes your turn again. Gotcha. Which spoiler alert, it's about to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah, cool. That's cool. So yes, yes, yeah. Definitely going to use that as okay. my reaction. Slow fall. Wonderful. Okay, you land cat-like on your feet, um, despite having been hurled up into the air, um, and the the polo elf rides past you and is now about 20 feet behind you, wheeling his steed around, ready for another pass. Um, Furious Joe, what do you do? Olive, you're on deck next. Right, what am I going to do to this chump on his horse? Um, how far away is the girl? Which one? The, the one, the one who was mocking you. Yeah, the mean one who's trying sort to of, commit murder. The mean girl. Uh, <laughs> she's a uh, she's about eighty feet at this point and disappearing into the distance. You can't even see her unless you have some sort of dark vision beyond sixty feet. So she's well and truly gone. It was a it was an evil speech and then vanish kind of deal. She ran away. And what about this dude on the horse? How far is he away from me? Dude on the horse is twenty feet away from you. Nice. The uh, the guy, the the lacrosse stick elf, uh, is thirty feet away from you and heading towards the the carriage. Um, the elf with the golf club is uh, sixty feet away from you. Cool. Right. What's the most interesting thing I can do to this dickhead? 
Uh, well, no, we're just going to go for a nice, simple attack. We're going to launch ourselves at him. I might. I don't need to key and power my strikes. I can do flurry of blows. We're going to flurry of okay. blow him with a key point. Okay, give me your two hits. That is a uh, uh, nat 20. Uh, yeah, that would be a critical. Nice. And is it two that I do? You double the number of dice that you roll and then you add the modifier at the end. Um, right. Oh, so-, so that first attack, you've got two attacks because you're a monk. Yep. And then you get two more attacks because of your flurry of blows. So that first attack is a d6. Yep. Normally, you would double that and roll two d6s. And at the end, you would add your modifier, which is your Oh, right. Sorry for the, this is, yeah, this, this is the hit points, isn't it? Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, so, so the 20 covers the four hits to hit. So no, they're all no, hitting. No, that's your it's first just for the hit. first one. Right. Uh, so now I've got, hang on. So it's a plus eight to hit, then I get... 2d6, yep. and then add your dexterity modifier. Gotcha. So this that... is the damage for the first hit, which okay. is critical. So that's seven off the 2d6, plus the modifier, which is four, so that's an 11. So that okay. first blow, you punch who? Uh, the guy on the horse. Yep. I'm not going to punch the horse. It's Polo Dude. <laughs> Are you going to punch him a second time? Oh, absolutely. We're going to just keep pounding this guy into the ground until he's semi-conscious. Okay. What's your to hit on the next one? Uh, next one is a uh, 15 plus 8, 23. Yeah, that hit. So that's now a single D6 plus your dexterity modifier. Uh, that is a 5. Okay. Uh, so that is a 21 to hit. So pretty yep, sure we're good hits. with that. And is this 1 or 2 D6 now? 1. Uh, one. Just 1. Okay, so that is a 7. And my last one is a nat 20. Again? Okay. Yep. So that so crits. 2D, 2d6. Uh, so that's another 2d6. So that's 2 plus 4 is 6. Plus 4 is another 10 damage. Okay. So that is 26, 30. That is a 33 point damage round. <laughs> As, th- as this polo player wheeling about suddenly sees this like blurring oil dripping sort of four foot ball come at him, a leap up to his height, spin kick him in the left side of the head, then turn around, spin kick him on the right, and then just punch him in the chest two times and backflip off the horse. Uh, and you just see this guy is like reeling from the damage. He's, he's still in the fight, but this is just, uh, it's probably more punishment than he's ever taken in his life as you just absolutely pubble the hell out of him. Uh, okay, anything else you want to do on your turn? I'm perfectly happy with how that went. We'll, we, we, will, we will sit and wait and see what happens next. Okay. Uh, Olive, it's all you. <laughs> I like this game. I crawl out from underneath the carriage rapidly, moving mm-hmm. at 50 feet per second. This is about twice as fast as a human could move. And <laughs> scurrying across the ground in an alligator charge... I'd like to bite and death roll, which is the flavor of what I'm going to do, but it's monk punches. The lacrosse player, because I don't want these people to escape. I've noticed that the girl has escaped and I'm like, you're going to have to leave my radius if you want to escape. So this raven haired person with a stick with a net on the end is going to take a 16 to hit. 16 to hit just hits. Yes. I bite their ankle for 10 damage and then a 22 to hit which probably also hits for another nine damage. We're at 19 total. (laughs) 
And then mm-hmm. uh, this one was a natural one. I tried to bite them again for nine damage or for a nine to hit because it's a natural one plus eight to hit is a nine. Does that miss? Uh, nine misses. Yes. Yeah, and I'm like ah, <laughs> and then bite a rock. <laughs> and then I also for my fourth flurry of blows, I'm gonna bite them again and. This time I'm biting their thigh, and I'm going to try to do a, um, basically they're going to fall over, but we'll see. Does a 14 hit? No, it doesn't. Okay. So it says, when Flurry of Blows hits, so because neither of the Flurry of Blows, which was the third and the fourth hit, it's, I can't pull them to the ground in a death roll, but I tried. <laughs> so I did 19 damage total. Uh, okay. Alligator attack. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, as you kind of take a half step back, having missed with your last two flurry of blows, but with like, you can still taste it, like taste his pants on your teeth, uh, from, from your bite. Um, it's lac- uh, lacrosse player looks at you and goes, how dare you filthy. And it just slams, tries to slam the top of his lacrosse net stick directly on your head. I feel like I'm being beaten with a broom. Does a seventeen hit? No. So okay, you manage to si- uh, you manage to sidestep it, and he tries to follow up with the bottom of his stick in what would definitely be an illegal maneuver in uh, in lacrosse. Does a nineteen hit? Meet it to beat it. My AC is nineteen. Okay, so that uh, that is a hit, um, and so you take nine points of bludgeoning damage as he slams the bottom of his stick into your midriff. Ouch, I'm down to 58 hit points, and I I feel very much like I'm being beaten off with a broom. <laughs> behind uh, behind him, Olive, you can make out the uh, the golf player. He's got he's teed up another one of these little golf balls of his, and he's clearly lining up the shot. But he can't see, uh, like you see him looking at you. Then you can see him looking at Furious, and both of them are too fully. Um, kind of fully engaged with his friends to try for another shot. So instead, he chips one straight at you, Tanager. Uh, roll a dexterity saving throw. Uh, 15. 15, uh, 15 will do it. Um, you manage to, to grab Curry's hand and drag the both of you away as there's a whistling sound and the tree behind you just explodes in flame. And that brings us to Tanager. What would you like to do? Uh question and then maybe an action Mm -hmm. could i hit all three of these goofballs in a 20 foot radius no um the so you could probably you could drop a 20 foot radius you might just be able to get the golf player and the lacrosse player um but the polo player is definitely way too far away is this a 20 foot radius you can drop anywhere or around you anywhere yeah so then then you might just be able to get the two of them Okay. Um, nah, not worth it. I'm just going to beat him up. So that's going to be a 18 and a 21. With what? What are you doing? Oh, I'm just headbutting them because I'm not bringing a weapon to a high school prom. <laughs> um, uh, whoever's the most injured. I believe it's the one Furious is on. Uh, yeah. So of the two of them, the, the golf player doesn't look uh, hurt at all. Um, whereas both the, the polo player and lacrosse player have been fairly messed up, but probably the polo player is a bit more. Um, do you leave Curry behind? What's the... 
Uh, I guess as a free action, I'll tell Curry to get inside of the carriage and keep the kids calm and inside. Because even if they're being attacked, like being inside of something I think is better than just being openly hit. I don't want them running out and then catching a golf ball, okay. I guess. Yep. <laughs> sure. Um, um, so do you say 21 and... 18. Both of those hit. Uh, cool. But I do not do much damage. That's going to be a total of seven. Seven. Okay. Still still reeling from kind of being attacked by an oily uh, dwarf and trying to regain his bearings. Suddenly this, this polo player is still getting his horse under control. Just sees a like slightly furry missile come <clears throat> flying out from the right. As Tanager, you launch yourself head first and just kind of double headbutt him in the side. And then kind of just bounce off as he stays on his steed. Um, okay, um, and that brings us back. Anything else you want to do? Uh, no, that'll be it. Okay, um, top of the uh, top of the round, uh, the uh, the polo player lays in around him with uh, with his mallet in like a giant sweeping uh, sweeping arc. Oh God, um, I'm gonna guess a ten doesn't hit either of you. <laughs> no. Okay, he's still so dazed with your punches that his big swinging arc of a uh, uh, of a swing doesn't. Uh, you easily evade it. Then he spurs his steed to try to get away from you. Uh, you both get attacks of opportunity if you want them because you haven't used your reactions yet. By both, do you mean the monks that are in melee? Tanager and Furious. My uh, twenty-one, baby. Uh, yeah, that absolutely hits for three points of damage. Okay, <laughs> you just kind of just just headbutt him in the foot as he comes yeah, fast. I, I'm literally just doing the goat thing where I'm springing off my back heels and then just trying to ram anybody I can. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what about you, Furious? Uh, yeah, I did a 23 and a 26 to hit on my two attacks and rolled a 7 and an 8 for damage, so 15 points of damage. Okay, for attacks of opportunity, I believe you only get... One, so we'll just take the oh. first one, which was a oh, seven, right. I believe. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so you uh, you leave two. Um, uh, you kind of you jab him twice. Um, he rides away about uh, about fifteen feet. Um, tur- uh, turns around, points his glowing uh, mallet at you, um, and yells, "Spectral team!" and like out of the mist, these like semi-ephemeral uh, shape of what looks like an entire charging polo team uh, appears and charges straight at you. Uh, roll dexterity saves Tanager and uh, Furious. Uh, it's going to be an 18. Yeah, it's a 20-something, 20 24. 24. Okay. Both of you manage to throw yourselves mostly out of the way of this charge, so you only take half damage, which for you, Furious, I'm assuming is no damage because you have evasion. Thank you. Uh, but for mm-hmm. you, Tanager, I, I rolled a five, so so you take yeah you take two damage um, from uh, from this like spectral charge uh, of of ghostly polo players that then disappear into the ether behind you. This is more intimidating if I can roll above a five. <laughs> <laughs> I just That's a fight. I guess I'll yell out to my friends like should I use spells are these nerds worth it incapacitate them alright um, yeah then I can just kick them harder uh, will do. Furious 
Uh, you're up. I'll live. You're on deck next. Uh, right, cool. So we had a 23 to hit with an eight point uh, damage thing off the first one. And I just. Who are you hitting? Um, oh, dude on the horse. He's. I'm just. I'm absolutely locked onto Polo Boy. Uh, yeah, that hit. So that was eight. Yep. Yep. A greased up baby oil covered dwarf sprints across the 15 foot distance. You've got like 50 feet of movement at this point, right? So. Uh, 40, yeah, 45 feet of movement. That's absolutely fine. I'm literally going to launch myself at his yeah. face again. Fists of flurry. Um, cape trailing um, heroically <laughs> in the background. And um, so the second one is, yeah, 21 and a uh, seven points to hit. Uh, yep, that, that'll, uh, that's another punch. Do you want to use a flurry of blows or not? No, no, we're going to chill out. We're going we're gonna, to uh, save our key points for... Possibly later. Okay, this guy is this guy is barely hanging on to his horse before and looks very badly messed up, um, but he's still sort of barely in the fight. Um, but you can see kind of he's got black eyes now. His like very pretty, very haughty, high cheekboned face is like all messed up. Uh, he's kind of swaying and he's just, it's just sheer like incredulousness that a filthy oiled up dwarf would dare lay hands on him that is like keep it given the saddle and swinging. Oh, I'm not. I'm not filthy. <laughs> You're literally covered in oil. <laughs> I'm just oiled up. Uh, yeah. uh, Olive, uh, what's up? The lacrosse guy is still standing, so I'm still biting. Okay, go for it. All right. Um, I rolled a 21, a 23, a 12, and a 16 to hit. Does the 16 miss or hit? The, the 16 hits. Uh, the 12 misses. First... 19 damage from two bites to the ankles, that 21 to hit and the 23 to hit. Mm -hmm. Then I spend a key point, and you can see me, like, become very calm as I punch you again. I I stand up, and I straighten, and I punch him right in the face. Now the 12 misses, but the 16 hits for 7 damage, which means, so it's 9 damage, 10 damage, 7 damage. So that's 26 26. damage total, and Mm -hmm. because I succeeded on hitting on a flurry of blows... That means please make a dexterity saving throw. Okay, he's fairly good at these. Let's see how he does. A 19. Nothing happens. Okay, he's very used to... Were you trying to trip him? Yeah, I was trying to make him prone so I'd have advantage when I punched him in the face. I just kick people on the ground. If you're laying on the ground and someone kicks you in the head, it's pretty brutal. As a lacrosse player, he's very used to people like shoving sticks under his legs and trying to knock him down. Yeah. So he manages to keep his feet despite reeling from your punches. But he also looks fairly badly, uh, fairly badly hurt. Um, he tries to uh, he tries to fend you off with like repeated like lightning fast three lightning fast jabs of his uh, of his lacrosse stick. So that is a five, a fourteen, and a twenty. Oh, to react and hit me. I no, have to hit. Sorry, yeah. AC of nineteen, so the nineteen, hits. so that, so the uh, the twenty hits. Okay. Um, there, uh, he's he's thrusting so fast, he's not able to really put his strength behind them. But you do take four points of bludgeoning damage. Ouch! Down to fifty-four hit points. And he attempts to trip you right back. <gasps> uh, roll a dexterity saving throw. <gasps> he's a dirty player. <laughs> oh no. 12 
12 doesn't do it. He manages to get his, uh, like, as you're, like, punching, biting, and kicking him, he manages to get, like, as you reel backwards from the hit, he manages to get the net under your foot, and it just kind of does this weird, complicated twist lift. And suddenly, despite your monk-like agility, <laughs> you find yourself falling to the ground. Um, as he uh, uh, as he takes two, uh, tries to take two big steps away from you, you're prone, so you can make an attack of opportunity. It'll just be at a disadvantage. Because you're biting him, basically. Yeah. So you can if you want to. I'm embarrassed on the ground. I try to bite at him. <laughs> okay, roll to hit. An 18 to hit. 18 to hit. Okay, you manage to chair a chuck off him as he backs away. <laughs> Do six damage as I bite him a little bit as he leaves. <laughs> okay, he backs, uh, he like furiously backpedals, uh, uh, backpedals, uh, like 10 feet. Um, and then turns around and yells to uh, yells to his golf playing companion, "Sir, the layup." Mm. Uh, that moves into his turn. The golf player chips uh, one of his golf balls in a gentle arc that the lacrosse player lifts up his stick <laughs> and then just slams straight down onto at full extension onto your stomach. Roll a dexterity saving throw with disadvantage because you're prone. Yikes. Yeah, that's a... Oh, disadvantage is rough. Okay, so um, I'd like to say that although the 10 probably fails, that with evasion, when you are asked to make a dexterity saving throw to take only half damage, you instead take no damage if you succeed and half damage if you fail. So I would like to still take half damage. Okay, you don't manage to dodge out of the way, but you do start rolling as quick as you can. And so as the explosive golf golf ball explodes over you, you're already rolling and covering your like face and underbelly again. So you only take 11 points of fire damage from this combo maneuver. I'm down to 43 hit points and it hurts, it burns. And my pride hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Above anything else is the pride. Um, Tanager, it's uh, it's all you looking around. You can see the kid on the the kid on the polo horse is very very badly hurt. Um, the lacrosse player is not in great shape, and the golf player still looks ready for the after dinner drinks. How far away is the golfer? The golfer's about forty feet away from you. Wonderful. How far away is the one that Olive is fighting? Thirty feet away, and the polo player is twenty. Then I would like to move. 15 feet closer to Olive and that dude. Okay. Bonus action to summon my Echo right up in melee range. Um, With the golf dude? uh, No, no, no. To the one Olive's fighting. And then I'm going to look to the side, and as my action, I'm going to cast Hold Person on the golfer. Okay. Uh, That is a... What kind of save is that? Uh, wisdom, I Wheel. believe. Wisdom, yeah. Yeah. I see your uh, okay. 3.5 as well. <laughs> uh, I constantly do that. Uh, well, it's an eight. Uh, yeah, that does not. They are paralyzed. So incapacitated, cannot move or speak, automatically fails strength and dex throws. Attack rolls have advantage. They can't take actions or reactions and any attack is a critical with their if they're within five feet of it and this okay. is a concentration spell you oh you know what mm-hmm. i have a i have a third level spell slot i'm also going to try to get the person that olive's fighting with this 
and burn a third uh, okay. level spell. So if you would like to make a wisdom for them as well. 18? Uh, they're fine. I embarrassed myself. I, no. I pushed it. <laughs> uh, I rolled a 16 on a d20. It's, um, um, so, okay, so this guy's muscles, the golf player's muscles lock up in the most, like, picture-perfect PGA Tour poster end of the backswing moment with one elbow out. Um, as he freezes, and you can see him kind of struggling to move. Uh, cool. So that's concentration, but I'm not in melee range of anyone, mm-hmm. so I'm chilling. Uh, as a free action, I would like to call to the horses, a.k.a. sentient druids, and mm-hmm. be like, hey, they attacked you. Stop being horses. <laughs> <laughs> you, you look you look over and where the horses are, um, th- there's just empty uh, empty stock. They have booked it. Oh, they are jerks. probably gazelles and are making their way back to town <laughs> because they do not get paid to fight explosive golfers. Okay, well, we got to beat these guys up and make them take us to the prom. But uh, uh, <laughs> that that will end my turn. Uh, okay, the uh, the pol- uh, the polo player and now incensed um, raises his hammer and charges uh, straight at. Uh, at the two of you looking to do a pass on uh, looking to do a swing one swing at each of you um, as he rides past with his ancestral battle cry of don't you know who my father is (laughs) (laughs) this guy sucks (laughs) (laughs) he's the epitome of a douche right (laughs) Uh, so uh, so he misses you both with a 16 and oh no sorry a 16 on you Furious. Yeah, no, that hits. I've got an AC 15, so that hits. Uh, Okay. Uh, In that case, you take uh, 10 points of bludgeoning damage, and you are once again hurled straight up into the air. Oh, God damn um, 15 feet this time. Uh, You can burn a reaction if you want to, to slow fall. That will do. Um, Okay. Um, And so you land cat-like on your feet behind this guy, um, and he uh, he swings at you, Tanja, but he doesn't come anywhere close. And so the, the hammer kind of whistles, uh, whistles over your horns uh, and he rides. Uh, and then you can see him like considering wheeling about, but instead he just spurs his horse and he's just belting away from all of you straight down, the, straight down the road in a like trailing golden hair uh, and various wounds. Okay. So that Absolute loser. <laughs> Furious. Uh, it's your go. Right. How far is golf boy away from me at this point in time? Uh, so Golf Boy is, let me do the math, under 30 feet. Uh, uh, it'd, it'd be about 40 feet of movement because you, if you wanted to kind of evade, not run straight past lacrosse guy, if you wanted to kind of take a bit of a circuitous route, it would be about 40, 45 feet. If you run straight at him, it's like 30. Yep. So I've got 45 feet walking movement mm-hmm. capacity. So that means I can that means I can get to him. Does that cost me anything when I get to the attack point because I've gone over half? Nope. Travel distance, cool. So we're nope. right up in full frontal melee range with this golfing mm-hmm. uh, twat. <laughs> so we are, we are gonna we're gonna flurry of blows this guy as well because we're fed up with this nonsense now. We just need to get ourselves to the problems. And I believe every hit is a critical. Absolutely. Yay! Yes, okay. and with advantage. No. Well, uh, a critical means you're going to double all your dice and you automatically hit. So you get 2d6s no. times 4. 
Oh, but yeah. it's automatic so hit, get... so I don't need my D20 yeah. to hit to start yeah. with. He's right. paralyzed. You can just beat the crap out of him. Incapacitated um, is awesome. Yay, bards. Woo. <laughs> four times, isn't it? So that was four for the first, uh, six for modifier. the second. Oh, my days. Yes, that's eight. Okay, so, so it's 8d6 plus four times your dexterity modifier. Yeah. God, oh, God. <laughs> uh, so we had, no, we had, we had three, one, uh, uh, three, and three as the first four. So that is... Um, fuck, I can't do ten. this much math. That's ten, that's 10. So that's 24 plus my uh, hit modifiers. Uh, your damage modifier. Damage modifiers, which is a plus four for each hit. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so that's 16, 24 plus 16, 40. I'll take off that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you beat this kid to absolutely like within an inch. He's still. <laughs> Like, if he unfroze now, he'd still be in the fight, but just, like, by the sliver of his hair. Good. Suck my fist. <laughs> Olive. Oh, no. <laughs> Olive it's... is very amused by that. She's glad that she's fighting with a fellow monk and with a bard. And, I, like, this is a good team. This feels good. I'm sorry about letting you guys down earlier when I, like, kind of oh, teenager tricked don't... me. Don't worry, hon. T- Tanny Boy's gonna end this fight next round. <laughs> so, there's still the lacrosse person, right? And they're still mocking me? Yeah. Alright, a 17 to hit? Yep. For 9 damage? As I, I'm just gonna, pu- I'm wailing on him, I'm punching, this is just 4 punches. Yep. A 13 to hit, which probably misses. Nope. Misses. Oh, a 10 to hit? Uh, nope. And a 14 to hit? No. Yeah. So, so that is a nine damage round? Yeah. 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 Uh, My pride hurts. Okay. <laughs> it's that ball gown. Yeah. It's that big puffy ball gown you got on. Yeah. It's just getting in the way a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it is. T- Tanagels, it's helping. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shoes, clearly. She looks amazing pick. while she's fighting. <laughs> there is that. Um, the, the, uh, the lacrosse player clearly getting desperate now tries a, a massive just like almost spear jab with his uh, lacrosse stick, but rolls a nothing. Uh, 12 misses. Um, so you kind of easily sidestep it as it comes whistling past. Um, the golf player, I believe, gets a chance to break out of hold person at the end of yep. his round. You're good. Yep. Got to beat a 14. Oh, yeah, I should have thrown you my handcuffs. Four I doesn't can... do it. Oh. I'll do that um, on my next turn. I've got some handcuffs. You can handcuff an incapacitated person. Okay. Tanager, it's all you. Okay. Your turn. So, Tanager, how far away is the dude on the horse? At this point, he's probably about 60 feet and disappearing even further. He's he's gone. Okay. 60 feet, you say? Mm-hmm. And he was looking pretty bad, right? Yeah, they were all... Um, I mean... He, he's hurt. He's hurt compared to where he was. He's not absolutely on his last legs, but... He's, Would you say he's yeah. bloodied, like, within half health? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, then... This guy sucks. I am casting Radiant Bolt at a third level. Okay. And I am dealing... Sorry, I forgot to do my damage. Only rolled that to hit. 32 points of damage. Whoa. 32 points of damage. Okay, yep. this guy is Upcast, riding. Baby. 
<laughs> riding away on riding away on his horse. He's his golden hair is trailing behind him. The golden tail of the horse is trailing. He's riding out, and this golden bolt comes shooting from behind and just slams him and just lifts him off the horse and slams him into a tree. And you just see him slowly slide down the tree. Cool. I would then like to uh, action surge. And okay. from my echo, I would like to attack, I believe he's a lacrosse player, two times mm-hmm. for a uh, 24 and a 16. Uh, I get both of those hit. Uh, only six damage, but it's respectable. I respect it. <laughs> okay, he's still up, but not like a lot. Um, anything else? Uh, that will end my turn. Okay. The polar guy is well and truly out, which means we are back to Furious. Um, right, where am I? I'm still melee combat range with golf, mm-hmm. golf boy, aren't I? Mm-hmm. He can't have a lot left, can he? Is it worth flurrying of blows, this this, this absolute canoe? You can. I, I believe you can also declare that after you see the results of the first Ooh, two hits. there we go then. That's what so you could wail on him and then see if you need to do more. Absolutely, wail away. So that's a 27 to hit. With the first you one? don't need to roll to hit. He's still paralyzed. Oh, he's still paralyzed. Oh, brilliant. Yep. Uh, so, so we're going to have... Uh, that is a five for the first hit of damage. Plus four is nine. And we're going to get a 11 for the second. So we're going to get 20 on him for this one. Okay. You do a sort of Jason Statham style punch in the stomach followed by one of those like close in hooks he does where it looks like someone's been hit in the side of the head with a freight train (laughs) and this kid is still paralyzed so he just falls over but you can see the eye like he's completely out cold um it it, uh, you may have broken him uh he's just kind of just goes this is excellent Um, it's an excellent reference as well because i did actually have a statham-esque sort of thing in mind for Furious when I designed him in my head. So that's superb, superb. <laughs> I'm happy. Uh, if you watch Transport and stuff, he knocks everybody out with left hooks to the side of the head. Totally. Um, uh, okay. Uh, you've, still got, you've still got movement and bonus action if you want to use it for anything. Um, no, I will save that for a reaction if I need it. Uh, okay. That. Um... So your bonus action is different than your reaction. Oh. You get a bonus action every turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, is lacrosse guy still up? Yes, barely. I could use some help I, if you want to move I'll, to I'll, me. And I'll, I'll unarm strike him then, eh? We'll, you we'll can get a, use uh, your bonus action to do Flurry of Blows, which is two additional hits yeah. on my lacrosse. Uh, oh, is it? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I oh, well, let's do that then, shall we? I need to roll okay. to hit this one. These though, ones you I? actually have to roll to hit for. Okie dokie. Uh, that is a 17. Yep. Hits. And... Uh, oh, uh, uh, it's only 1d6, that's an 8 damage. Yep. On that one, then we have a nat 20 to hit. Yay. Uh, <laughs> it's always Never good. stop critting. Um, <sighs> and so we got two rolls of the d6, yeah. Yep. Uh, ooh, that's only three, plus that's only a seven-pointer. Okay, but it's it's more than enough. Good. Um, you, uh, you step up and moving in a blur, you... Uh, unleash one punch and then you do a uh, sort of smash brothers mario uppercut straight below from below because he's so much taller than you and you can kind of see him go flying backwards and there's this like moment where he hangs in the air already (laughs) out cold and then just goes and flops down 
And we are out of initiative order as you have successfully brutalized some children. <laughs> it was established that everyone in this campaign would be of age. They were exactly. <laughs> we qualified that. Congratulations. This was not statutory assault. <laughs> Is that a thing? Um, no. It's, it's definitely going to be a robbery because I'm taking their shoes and wallets. And then, uh, Olive, I'll buy you new handcuffs, handcuff them together around a tree. These boys don't get to go to prom tonight. And also, we should interrogate them. Well, I've got one pair of handcuffs, uh. so how does around a tree work? <sighs> Arms out the back. And, I mean, it's a, you know, I'm, I'm doing a move. You probably can't. This doesn't uh. help podcast or even people that <laughs> yeah. are on the video because my hands are behind my back. Well, yeah, I imagined mm-hmm. like hand to hand, like one person's right hand to the other's left hand, and then okay. just sort of okay. a daisy chain. But we the... only have one pair of handcuffs, so yeah. all right, I'll handcuff I... the two together because I like that idea. Um, yeah. And I'll read you this dimensional shackles. You can use an action to place these shackles on an incapacitated creature. The shackles adjust to fit um, small to large size creatures. In addition to serving as mundane manacles, the shackles prevent a creature bound by them from using any method of extra-dimensional movement, including teleportation or travel to another plane of existence. You and any creature you designate when you use the shackles can use an action to remove them. So, And once every 30 days, the bound creature can make a DC 30 strength athletics check on a success. The creature breaks free and destroys the shackles. And of course, this, these shackles don't prevent them from passing through a portal to another dimension. So I'm going to name Furious. And Tanager, which is a weird thing to mumble as you put handcuffs on someone, but I do. (laughs) Not the first time, honey child. (laughs) (laughs) Wearing some right now. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I left mine at home. Foolish me. Uh, Okay. Um, Olive, as probably the one with a shred of empathy, um, roll a medicine check. Uh, Ten. Okay, looking the looking these kids uh, over, um, they are incredibly knocked out. Like this is probably the most violence they've ever experienced in their lives, outside of like a fracas over who gets first wedging rights over the nerds, uh, and they have just been seriously taken to town by some professional adventurers. <laughs> um, so they are. This is going to be kind of three days from now. They might wake up with splitting headaches uh, and some, you know, life lessons. Uh, but for now, the, these kids are going nowhere and not waking up anytime soon. I don't feel bad for them. Yeah, I definitely pull their pants down and draw crude things <laughs> on their faces. I don't let their play... pants get pulled down because that's, that's a little weird. But the crude things on their faces you can draw. Yeah. Well, I imagine uh, this I, is I the I will road... establish they are wearing underwear. Yeah, I just think... I don't uh, want to know. <laughs> this is the road in and out, and it would be very embarrassing for them for when everyone leaves prom to see these guys. Absolutely. Because they, if they're going to be... They tried to murder people. <laughs> okay, pants stay on. I, I see the face Olive's making. But I'm just oh, keeping yeah, yeah. with the crude drawings. Okay, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, give him a little mustache. Um, How's our girl doing? I'm going to go to <laughs> Lucilia. Didn't her carriage get exploded and thrown oh, over? For- I'm a little concerned that she might not be okay. Well, um, 
you uh you rush uh you rush over to the carriage and look inside um the carriage itself is pretty much totaled uh the the ball seems to have ruined several of the wheels um uh, as well as like ripped out the drivetrain uh but the the petal itself weirdly held uh more or less so that um it looks like whoever was inside got bounced around a lot um but uh but is otherwise uh but otherwise like the integrity of the thing more or less survived um looking uh looking around they're not inside um but you can uh you can just about see um standing in the forest uh is uh frank he's uh he's still in in the like tuxedo thing you got him um and he's holding uh uh is holding a big tree branch um and behind him you can see lucilia kind of peeking out from behind him with her hands on his arm she's like thank god thank god you're okay thank god you're okay yeah who was that girl lucilia she's like oh that's that's just a bathia of imrati imrati investments they are the worst no friends to the working people they are they are rent seekers and they are managers of indentured labor and they they donated two wigs to the school okay um she, she she kind of looks around so do, do do you think we should just go home the 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 holes maybe five minutes down the road but that this and, and she kind of looks she looks a bit intimidated for the first time since you've met her how heavy is the carriage uh i mean it's pretty heavy um it's a carriage you might be able to flip it back up if you kind of if several of you got together Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's it's over the three fifty pounds you can, your carrying capacity. It's three fifty, right? Yeah, three sixty pushing or dragging. Um, pounds or kilos? Pounds. So I guess it's yeah, like one hundred and twenty okay. kilos. Yeah. Mental math. Don't judge me if that's wrong. No. So that would reduce my speed by five feet. But so like, we can't bring you in the carriage. Furious. What are your thoughts? Could you and Furious and, frankly, Tanninger and our big lunk boy all together, like, try to right this carriage? I well, can't pull the... it, though. Oh, that's it's right. It. The whole thing's broken. Okay. Furious pep talk. Pep talk? <laughs> yeah. You seem like the type. I more put people down. You bring them up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we've got a little procession going on here, haven't we? Um, we don't necessarily need a carriage, I don't think. Let's just hold our heads up high. Yeah. Crack on to the place. Do we you have... want to ride an alligator there? Because that's all I can do. <laughs> well, we've got we've got we've got Olive with her basket full of uh, petal yeah. manuscripts, proletariat, communist scrawled petalings, whatever you want to call those. You can lead the way. You can lead lead the trail of petals. I can be the footman. We have Tanager and Curry, who can be the second couple. Yeah, let's just let's just procession it in. Heads held high. That's the way we should do things. Yep. I use okay. a dis- disguise mm-hmm. kit and mending to fix everybody's clothes and makeup as we walk along. Okay. Uh, can I get a persuasion check from Furious and a performance check uh, from uh, Tanager, please? Cool. Uh, 19 for me. A- 18 for me. Uh, yep. Okay. She se- uh, she seems to genuinely fall in line with you, uh, with you, Furious. Um, and, and she goes, 
You know, walking on my own two feet brings me closer to the people. <laughs> workers, workers walk around everywhere, don't they? And she turns to to Frank, and he's like, "Well, well sometimes I guess we we take a." And then he kind of looks, sees the rest of you, and goes, "Yeah, no, we're big walkers, big walkers. Yep, definitely, very, very peasant to walk." <laughs> <laughs> and then he like as soon as she looks away, he like looks really earnestly at you, Furious, and you, Tanager, and gives you these giant meaty double thumbs up. I am just squeezing Furious's forearm in excitement. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, and so so your pr- uh, procession heads. It's about five minutes, uh, five minutes down uh, down the road, and and up ahead you can see uh, you can see the building. It's like in this large clearing, and they've it's quite cute. They've lit like um, dozens of lanterns and hung them up on all of the trees to create this kind of tunnel of um, tunnel of light for you uh, for you to walk down um, and you can see the the doors of the the hole stand um, stand open um, there's, there's weirdly no one uh, no one outside and from inside you can um, you can hear very slow orchestral kind of ballroom music very very slow and not particularly well executed <laughs> you walk towards the the gates uh, the sort of dub open double doors of uh, uh of this hall um and you step uh, step inside um, uh, bef- before mm-hmm. we step in tanager would like to play uh cast the spell unearthly chorus at a proper distance and it plays music that everyone can hear within a hundred feet and okay. I would like to play better music than this orchestral nonsense. And uh, whatever song is Lucilla's favorite, that's what she's going to get to walk into prom with. With like a boisterous chorus. Okay. Um, so you have a quick, uh, you, you quickly confer with, uh, uh, with Lucilla. Um, and perhaps unsurprisingly, her favorite thing is like, so, like the, the kind of music is like the Soviet army men's choir the like international <laughs> but before they took the lyrics away which is just like this like we the people uh, but it's like it's quite upbeat and up tempo and it's all about these like soaring deep male inspirational voices um does unearthly cor- unearthly chorus presumably includes like lyrics and stuff uh i don't know about lyrics i think it just says music okay but uh Either way, it pretty much only benefits me, but it's just to give her a dramatic entrance. But, but everybody else can hear it, right? Yeah, everyone, uh, you can hear it within 100 feet, and I get bonuses to things within 30 feet. Okay. Um, so, so you walk in, and now there's kind of this dueling, dueling two walls of sound. That which is coming from you, this like quite fun, quite inspiring... Um, and then like this, like a pretty bad rendition of the most boring waltz you can imagine, um, is playing. You step into the hall. Um, the first thing that hits you is this immediately, it's like wave of perfume that kind of hits you with the face like a sledgehammer. Um, it is like if somebody like blew up a Chanel factory while at the same time an Axe body spray commercial was in was being filmed inside your apartment. Um, looking around, the hall itself is wide open with circular tables on the left and right and an open dance floor in the middle and a stage behind it. Um, 
the vast majority of the people in the room are teenagers of all different um, races and sizes, and they're kind of sitting sullenly at these tables. While in the middle of the dance floor, you can see um, a, a group of um, eight elves in very expensive clothing, also teenagers, going through the um, going through the steps of this waltz. Um, they're naturally graceful because they're elves, but it still looks incredibly stilted and very, very choreographed. Like they practice this, and while even as you're entering, the waltz ends. They bow and it begins again, and they start dancing again, the exact same waltz. Um, all around, you can see, or all around the walls, uh, you can see um, that like hastily put up gold banners and bunting, and there's just gold banners everywhere with like platinum filigree depicting a bejeweled hand, like a delicate hand with lots of rings, uh, scooping up gold. So it's like a, a hand descending into a, a pile of coins is the, the symbol on everything. Um, looking, uh, looking around, you see that most of the plates in front of people um, are untouched. And rather than the food perhaps you were expecting, what you see is uh, like haute cuisine. But um, the kind of haute cuisine you get in a very, very pretentious restaurant. So there are these like giant white plates with gleaming silverware and right in the very dead center of each plate is like a single cucumber slice that has been carefully carved into something with like a single egg of um, fish eggs, caviar, like a single red caviar that is like put in place as a decoration and then like a fennel leaf at an odd angle. And you can just see a sea of miserable faces while up above on the stage, the uh, con- uh, a conductor conducts the orchestra into what you suspect is rendition 23 uh, of this waltz. As, uh, as you enter with, Lu- uh, with Lucilia and Frank, um, as well as uh, yourselves, you see uh, all, uh, all of the eyes in the room except the haughty elves um, turn to you. Uh, uh, turn to you, and a number of people start uh, start making their way towards uh, towards Lucilia. Um, uh, at uh, at their lead is a um, uh, um, a mushroom person, a um, my sorry, myconoid, a, a myconoid, um, uh, and and he's kind of waddling along, and you can see he's the kind of myconoid that has all of these um, all of these sort of tentacle things, um, like tentacle spores. Uh, above him and as he moves they kind of sway left and right and you can see that each one has been cut, uh, painted like really really bright colors like almost glowing metallic colors he's done up like a raver i like this guy <laughs> and he waddles uh, uh he waddles over and, and he sees you and he's like lucilia you gotta help us this is so lame he kind of waves his uh, waves his uh, spores about, and Lucilia looks at the rest of you uncertainly, uh, uh, and she says, "This is Tibbert." And he introduces, "Please call me Freak Down." <laughs> uh, and she's like, "Right, yeah, uh, this is Freak Down. He he's the head of the dance club." Um, uh, uh, and he turns to he turns to you, Tanja, and goes. Sick beat, bro. Uh, I look at my friends and 
tele... Well, I don't know. I don't even need to do it telepathically. Uh, Olive, I know you have a chef's knife and some ability with food. Maybe go check out how we can fix the food at this place. And perhaps Furious, we talked earlier that you know how to bust a dance move. So maybe get the dance floor started. Mate, I'm an oiled up dwarf. I can break dance like nobody's business. Hell yes, brother. Let me at the dance floor. (laughs) Show me where it is. And then Tanninger is just going to go up and, like, do performance checks and yell at the orchestra, basically, and try to facilitate fun that hopefully his compatriots can actively create. Okay. Um, uh, As you do that... um Olive, could you roll a... Uh, on your way to the kitchen, could you roll a perception check for me, please? Sure. Oh, uh, Bardic Inspo's to both of my homies. You you know, use them whenever. Like, I, I got them to burn, so... All right. Without Bardic Inspiration, 22. 22. Easy. Okay, so as you're making your way along the wall to, towards where it looks like the entrance to the kitchen is, you, uh, you spy that behind all of this gaudy gold bunting... Um, you can see that there are murals on the, like, bright murals that are hidden by this bunting all over the walls. Hmm. I nod at Furious and Tanager to let them know that they're there, and I have a question about the kitchens. Uh, okay. Um, you, you enter, the, uh, you make your way through the side door, you enter into the kitchens. They've, they've stopped cooking, so the, the staff are gone, but you can see trays and trays of basically writ- Plates and plates of returned, uneaten, or barely nibbled, like way too fancy cuisine sitting there. Um, and uh, off, uh, uh, off to the right in this kitchen, you can see a giant uh, rectangular thing covered with a tarpaulin that gives off cold, even from where you're standing. What was your question about the kitchens? My question is, do they have ground beef and cheese? <laughs> so, so looking, uh, roll an investigation check. Six? That's not my thing. So you, you look around and there is none of the ingredients you would expect to find. You don't check under the top one, but just looking around visually, you open the, the kind of the large pantries um, and there is just none of the ingredients you would expect to find. There is like weird white fish that they must have used for the main course, like dregs of that. And there's like some sort of gelatin stuff that no human being would ever want to eat. Um, and there's all this st- kind of stuff. But um, at least visually, you can't find any base ingredients whatsoever. Hmm. Well... Guess I got no other options. I'll just lean against this tarp here and slide casually down the wall, perhaps dislodging it from where it is. <laughs> okay, you lean up against it and it's powerfully cold, um, but you're uh, and you're cold-blooded, which, I don't know, um, might be discombobulating. You might just not notice it. And as you slide down, the tarpaulin pulls away, and behind you, le- what you're leaning against is a giant block of ice inside which you can see frozen like all manner of party foods, like regular normal people party foods. You can see breaded chicken, which uh, which if fried would be nuggets. You can see just reams of potato pre-sliced into chips. Someone has taken a massive amount of party food supplies and just frozen them, them in this unmelting block of ice and carved um, on, uh, on the uh, pinned to the ice is a little note um, on which it is written, um, your filthy food can only be freed 
by contact with something which tastes better than it smells. And while you're pondering that, I'm going to take the action back to Furious and Tanja. As Lucilia is standing there, more and more kind of heads of clubs come running over. A, uh, a small gnome girl, which still has traces of paint on her face, comes over to complain that the art club had been working for weeks only to have all of their art covered by this hideous bunting. Um, the uh, the adventure uh, the adventures and caverns geek which are uh, geeks uh, who play a tabletop <laughs> version um, that takes adventures into the many uh, fantasy uh, fantasy dungeons of this realm walk over and they talk to Frank because they're not going to talk to a girl um, and they say um, uh, and they complain that the uh, the elves took their dice away. Um, because they said they had to mingle and um, and have fun with everybody else, but now nobody's mingling or having fun, and plus they hate mingling. Um, so it's just this litany of complaints from people to, uh, to Lucilia, who's like a little bit overwhelmed, but also like feels this calling as a leader. Um, and she and she uh, she turns to you, Furious, and you, Tanja, um, uh, and she says. <sighs> That, that that awful Jezebethia, her dad's money's ruin, ruining the prom and all of these people are looking to us. What can we do? Well, Furious has, has definitely got his eye on that dance floor and those eight mincing elves that are dandering about like absolute fannies on, 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 the, on the stage. So he, uh, <laughs> he decides he's just going to plough straight in and taking a, a remembering the move from the monk off on the ship. <laughs> he takes a running start, dives forwards and glides on his oil-coated chest right into the middle of these eight elves and just starts to spin and flip and backflip and do all these kind of crazy breakdancing moves right in the middle of this knot of elves, just trying to absolutely ruin their ruin their synchronisation and ruin their little little dancing party. Okay, give me a performance check. Oh, does that need Professor Paul? I was hoping that'd be acrobatics, but all right, never mind. <laughs> I'll, let you do, um, I'll let you do acrobatics for the entrance, but the, yeah. the dancing is definitely performance. Okay, cool. Well, so we get uh, yeah, so we get a 23 off the acrobatics. That was nice and easy. Here's the big one. It is a 16 for the performance. 16 for the performance. Not bad. Uh, it's a bit hard because what you are trying to break dance to is a myopic waltz and the well, Russian military mind, male choir's, yeah. like, rendition. <laughs> unless unless Tanager wants to give you some musical support, I will let you change your chorus mid-tune, if you desire. I was just going to remind uh, our friend Furious that he does have bardic inspiration, if he would like to attempt to break 20. Right, so here's a little education piece for me then. What is bardic inspiration, and how, how does that it. apply? You roll a d6 and add it to any skill check. I oh. can also do some other things with it, but it doesn't apply in this situation. All right, we'll have a four added to uh, my skill check then. Yep. For the Bardic Inspiration, takes me up to a 20. 20. Okay. Um, you manage to weave into your dance like trips and slight pushes that send the, the elves stumbling in every direction. Um, like backing away they're all trying not to get the baby oil onto their very expensive clothes as well which helps and soon you're in this knot of appalled and stumbling elves as you like break dance into the in the middle of them completely offbeat 
Like there's, there's just, there is no, you need about like two, you need like 80 BPM and you're getting about 10. So <laughs> you're doing what you can, but you are putting on a one man show. You don't, you don't need music. Um, some stumble away appalled. Tanager, what do you do? Uh, once the dance floor floor is cleared of nerds, I would like to go to the or- orchestra and make a persuasion check to be uh, like, hey, do you mind just like stop doing the nonsense that you're doing and go ahead and just match my beat here? Roll an insight check. That's going to be a 12. A 12. Okay. Looking, uh, looking at the orchestra, as you begin, to, none of them seem to register anything that's what's going on. And as you look at them, you can see that their faces are fairly drawn and you can see sweat like beating on them. And their eyes are just obsessively glued to the baton that the uh, el- elven conductor is waving in front of their face to conduct them. So they're just kind of slavishly just playing, plucking on the strings of their instruments and just obeying it. And they completely ignore you. Furious. Uh, if you could stop the dance for a moment and punch out this conductor, that would be great. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> Before you do that, we're going to go pleasure. back to uh, we're going to go back to Olive. Olive is in the kitchen now. She's a carnivore, an obligate carnivore, you could say. She's familiar with cuts of meat like a ribeye, a tenderloin, a filet mignon, and a langua, and she sticks out her tongue and licks the ice cube. Nice. As you, uh, as uh, Olive's like tongue licks out on the ice, you can see it uh, start to hiss and melt, and it melts all the way down into an ice tray on which sits an absolute smorgasbord of delicious, friable food in every variety. Nice. Deep fryer ahead. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hang on a minute. We're, we're going to need. We're going to need some explanation of the solving of that riddle that just occurred because I have no idea what just happened. I am backing furious on this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So something that tastes better than it smells. So the thing is that taste is smell. So like all the foods that have strong smells also have strong flavors. So like some people would say, oh, like durian or natto or something like that. But having had natto taste just like it smells so like a lot of your sensation is smell when you taste things so it's actually a riddle what tastes better than it smells is a tongue <laughs> oh. <laughs> you got a double I mean, roll off that fair play <laughs> well played olive would know that because she eats tongues <laughs> really oh, i mean that was that's extraordinary riddle solving capability well right there. done i am um, yeah. I'm astounded. T- yep. t- take inspiration for just nailing that straight up. In my oh, head, yeah. there was like a 30% chance this was going to end up with Olive with an ice pick just <laughs> wailing away on this block. <laughs> Which would have been fine too, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, oh. Tanager would not have been able to solve that. <laughs> no, me neither. No, absolutely not. Me neither if I had good... <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, so you have all of this uh, fried food, and there isn't there is a deep fryer in uh, like a basically a pot of oil that you can use, and a net for for dipping them in. Yeah, she'll be right out with these. Meanwhile, what uh, uh, furious? Are you still dancing on your own? Um, no, I've got to I've got to brain this um, conductor guy by the sounds of things to get mm-hmm. to get that uh, that that spell stopped. Um, but also, <laughs> I'm I'm conscious of this bunting. And uh, and the, the the effort these art student people put into the murals and all the other bits and pieces going around. So 
I feel like some kind of flippy, acrobaticy, strip the bunting kind of, you know, some kind of bouncing dwarf launching himself around the place, stripping the place bare of all this nonsense. Uh, gold tat is uh, is what needs to occur. Is what needs to occur next. Okay, roll an acrobatics check to see if you can start stripping bunting. You better believe that's a twenty-four. Oh, Ooh. you wall run this bunting strip. You work out where it's kind of being secured and you just charge straight at the wall and you run straight up it. And as you're running, like with your foot, your toes, you're grabbing it and <laughs> unlatching it as you run along the entire periphery of this uh, uh, of this hole, just unchecking and the bunting falls. And behind each of it, you can see these amazing Technicolor murals oh, these no. kids did. They're like somewhat psychedelic, but some of... Like the different kids were clearly doing it. You can see lots of different art styles. Um, and there's like de- uh, depictions of forests and trees. And someone's done like an awesome battle scene, where, but where the knights, instead of fighting, just like have guitars um, and they're like <laughs> strumming away at each other. And it's trippy and it's bright and it's colorful and the light plays off them. And you can hear, um, you can hear that girl who, uh, the gnome girl who's, who'd uh, approached um, Lucilia, like cheering her head off. Uh, chewing her head off in excitement, like yes, um, and the rest of the art club around the room also uh, also cheers, and everybody's cheering, um, and the elves look aghast. <laughs> the best part. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and you see, uh, you see, one of them scurry off uh, into a si- uh, into a side room. Um, t- uh, Tanja, since Furious is temporarily unavailable, would you would you like to do anything for a moment? The, no. This conductor's still going, oblivious to everything, just... Uh, Tanager's not going to be able to knock out this nerd in one round, but he does have on his character sheet dice, because he is a bit of a gambler. So he will throw a pocket full of dice at those, what was it, caverns and adventures? Adventurers and cabins, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I throw some dice to those guys, and I'm like, go find a dark corner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they, uh, you can see, uh, you can see the one who had come up to Lucilia try to catch the dice and just, it, it hits him, uh, like it whistles past his hand and it hits him in the forehead and it drops at his feet. But, uh, but he, uh, but he grabs it, turns to his, uh, turns to his friends and yells, adventurous, assemble. Uh, and you see all of them march off into like a corner of the room where they've got a round table set up. There's already like a screen that they've built by propping up plates. Um, <laughs> and very soon you see them all uh, putting their heads together um, as uh, as him, the one who had caught the dice is like standing behind this screen and depicting obviously some very exciting scene by waving his hands about her sort of pudgy <laughs> hands in the air and they all seem wrapped and very excited. Um, absolutely not paying attention to anybody else in the room. I wonder how many of our listeners played D&D or Magic or something like that at their prom. <laughs> <laughs> um, the best ones. <laughs> Furious, you complete, uh, you complete your run um, and land behind Tanager. Uh, meanwhile, Olive, uh, you're just about finishing your flash frying. Um, you didn't have time to do anything fancy, so you absolutely just deep fried everything. Which for party food is probably the solid answer. So you have absolute trays of food. I bring the trays of food out and it's steaming hot, crispy, fresh from the fryer. And the smell announces it more than I can. 
Um, you see all uh, all of these kids look up, even the adventurers and caverns kids um, uh, are looking up <laughs> as you like enter with this heaming, steaming tray of uh, of food. And there's like a stampede, um, stampede <laughs> across the room straight straight towards you as Lucilia seizes her moment, hops up onto a uh, onto a table uh, and yells uh, and sort of proclaims. Workers of the school, you are freed from the tyranny of capital and liberated with the power of chicken nugget. Uh, she's kind of declaiming. And they're not sort of hugely listening to her, but as she kind of says this, they all like, they're all cheering wildly and she thinks it's for her, but it's mostly for nuggets. But everybody's super happy while the conductor's still going like oblivious to everything. Furious final move, baby. Right, yeah. This this conductor boy needs to needs to go down, doesn't he? Um, I guess I don't need insight, uh, in, initiative for this one, do I? I'm just at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we have got a yeah, twenty six to hit thirteen points of damage. Yeah. So a Furious is a professionally trained monk uh, at level ten. You would sort of expect him to generally be on sort of save the kingdom level quests, taking on your moderate adult-sized dragon. So when he walks up and sucker punches an elderly elven conductor, it is it is a little bit like a thermonuclear strike to the back of this guy's head. And it's just he is just out. You just kind of line up the line up the punch and you hit him at the exact sort of pressure point where he just absolutely falls boneless to the ground. And as he does, and as that baton hits the ground, you can see the entire the entire orchestra like sort of collapse half exhausted among themselves, panting. You can see they're they're sweating. <sighs> like deep heavy breaths. Oh thank you. Thank you. That's the 97th time we've played the waltz. I can't... I can't do uh, it. I know. I know. You're probably so tired. Tanninger pulls out one of his multiple flasks and starts just passing out alcohol and quietly being like, you have to keep playing. The prom is not over yet. <laughs> know, Something uh, funky, okay. please. P- persuasion, p- persuasion check. Baby, you know what And you have inspiration. Be. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, look, okay. I have to keep asking for it to give you your moments. I will take a 29. Tw- uh, 29. And they're, they're like, <laughs> they're exhausted. Their fingers have calluses. But they, uh, they, uh, they look at you and they see the earnest desire for a good party in your eyes, which just like radiates off Tadager with every fiber of their being. And they're like the, the double bassist. Um, Who's this Lycodon who's holding the holding her um the the wand thing um in her trunk just goes Okay Okay <laughs> And she taps it three times on the uh on the double bass and just goes do 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 and it just slams into like this really fast paced. It's still it's still kind of classical, but it's like super super high beat, super fun orchestral music um, that kind of almost supplements the like boombox coming out of you, Tanager, presuming you haven't dropped the spell. And so it's like you've got this 
this like chorus and then you've got this super funky music and everybody starts cheering and the elves are backing away in disgust as like people are making their way to the dance floor still with like handfuls of like you see uh you see a a, a dwarf with two chicken schnitzels one in each hand <laughs> and he's like on the dance floor and he's just taking bites of them intermittently as he like dances around and Lucilia's like in her element uh, like celebrating everyone and encouraging to get on the dance floor because dancing is the truest act of resistance against capital, which <laughs> doesn't necessarily square with the fact that the elves were dancing, but she hasn't thought this through and it doesn't matter. And they're just cheering anything she says at this point. Um, <laughs> Tanager full, he back, backs her up with his pixie problem catchphrase of there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> And just as just as the party's uh, party's coming together, you see a, a back door open, and this um, the 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 elf you recognized from the road, um, who is dressed bizarrely in like a wedding gown kind of dress that's way 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 over the top, and with a train that trails back way way too far. And she's got with her, she's got these two kind of other elves. They're female elves, and they're both dressed in like pink pink cocktail dress uh, like pink cocktail skirts with like a mid uh, with like mid midriff tops that are like bent over either way and all three of them are uh are blondes and they storm in um and just with uh looks around kind of aghast and points to lucilia you, you you're ruining my party this is for the people yeah olive raises a fist in the air Tanager looks to see if Lucilia has a, like, rad comeback. Can I make an insight check? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Roll it. Uh, that's a 21. 21. Uh, so, bizarrely, she does. Tanager keeps his mouth shut and lets this girl have her moment. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lucilia, like, strikes a pose, points a judgmental finger down at Jezebeth and goes... Your daddy's money can't buy fun, which to her mind is hugely effective. Uh, I mean, she's she's eighteen. She's not, uh, yeah. You know, Tanager. Socrates. She ain't. <laughs> uh, but the whole crowd, uh, the whole crowd goes ooh. Simply having something to say in that moment is ninety percent of the battle, right? Absolutely, and you could, uh, you could take, uh, just like spot her, look, her, look around, uh, look around for support, and her, t- uh, her two kind of sidekicks look aghast as they see uh, everybody, uh, everybody having fun, uh, and she, and she looks at the crowd uh, and and sort of says, "Are you, are you all saying you prefer this peasant's vulgar entertainment to being elevated?" Uh, and there's this kind of log, log pause. Do any of you do anything? Um, I throw food at her. I was going to no. say, Furious Johnson grabs a hand for the chicken nuggets <laughs> and throws it straight in her face. Yes, Tanager was going to... Oh, up, no. Roll other, no. Uh, roll to hit. <laughs> You're monks, so these are improvised you. weapons you are very me good at. Oh, no. Gus. <laughs> got an 11 11 no, okay. 27 <laughs> okay uh, anything you want to do Tadja as you see this food flying 
tanager would like to try to cast calm emotions and then make a persuasion <laughs> check to get them to join the party and have fun at their prom. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here's what we are going to do. Uh, Furious and Tanager roll opposing initiative checks. I want to see what's the sequence here. What happens first? 19. 12 for me. Okay. Tanager, roll your persuasion check. Oh, no. This is going to be so bad. <laughs> that's, that's literally a 30. 30. <laughs> you you have this moment as your spell washes over and the fury washes away and you like y- you speak to her and in that moment like you can see this kind of veil that she's put up for herself or through which she's like convinced herself to look down on everything and everyone around her this upbringing on a golden pillow kind of just cracks and she sees all of the people on the dance floor having fun she smells this like delicious food she hears this jaunty music which is so much more fun to dance to than the like stifling waltz she's been doing for like 70 goes around and she looks at you and she opens her mouth and in that moment a chicken nugget <laughs> slaps into the side of her cheek with the force of a ballistic missile, still covered in the like mustard that Furious had been dipping it into. And there's this, just this shocked moment as this chicken nugget slowly trails down her face, drops onto her beautiful white gown, and slowly trickles down. And as she looks aghast, Olive, what did you throw? A chicken wing. Yeah. And as she looks aghast, a chicken wing just comes sailing in and just hits her again. <laughs> and there's this absolutely appalled silence as she looks down and then you just hear Frank step up onto the table Pick up an entire tray of uh, spaghetti bolognese, also deep fried, because Olive is a one-trick kitchen pony, but smothered (laughs) in sauce, I just yell, food fight for the proletariat! I just hurls it directly at the elves. (laughs) It's just this massive flying spaghetti. Uh, Just out. Honestly, like... Can't they join in and have fun? Can't we end this with the food fight and everybody dancing and food fighting? And like, like, yeah. yeah. Do they throw it back? Animal House did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I am, I am going to, I am going to give you Tadajar. I feel like this has got to be your absolute moment. This party is hanging in the balance. There is a tray. There is spaghetti flying, landing on these elves, and you have one shot. To convince them to draw nuggets instead of daggers. What do you do? You know, I could persuasion. That's something I'm good at. But what I think I'm going to actually do is cast Mirror Image and do a Backstreet Boys style dance number that I think could save the entire night. Explain how. The pure joy and, like, hopefully, like, I motion to the band to, like, pick up the tempo. Like, we, you, you have to save this party. 
And I hope the pure distraction of it all, like in this moment, this girl's purely humiliated, but if we can draw the attention away, uh, also, I think the wording of the spell I used on them means they're mad at me, so I don't want to engage with them, <laughs> but uh, I'm just trying to draw all attention away, and hopefully the words that I said with a 30 resonate in their mind of like, you are small, we are all workers in the grand cosmic scale, this is your one night to party, and also, we do absolutely have you on attempted murder, so, you know. Okay, roll a performance check for the dance number. This is this has got to be good. I'm so, not accepting a lame fourteen here. Because I do have my song up, I believe I have advantage. You also have well, inspiration, which oh, I already also- burned that. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, but okay, let's see what I get on the dice. That will be. Yep, I get advantage. So that'll be a 24. A 24. Okay. Spectral, uh, who are you conjuring? What do these dancers look like? They just Oh, they look exactly like me with slight costume variations. Okay. An entire (laughs) troupe of backup Tanager dancers materialize uh, on a table where everyone can see them and break into a spirited dance number. And there is a sort of appalled pause as all of them, as everybody's gaze turns to look at this utterly incongruous sight of like five synchronous uh, uh, dancing satyrs on a, on a table, just breaking it down, um, pu- their feet stepping through some of the plates and stuff on the table. Everybody's staring at the whole moment hangs in the balance. And then one of the elves picks up a plate and very deliberately mashes it into the face of a dwarf next to her. And then suddenly pandemonium breaks loose. The orchestra dives off the stage, instruments forgotten to pick up chicken drumsticks. There is food flying everywhere. An entire fruit salad that somebody has procured from somewhere is sailing through the air. And all of you just disappear into this maelstrom of um, flying food, in the middle of which... Jezebeth and Lucilia are waging the class struggle jewel-wielding chicken wings. <laughs> and that is your lasting image of the people's prom. <laughs> uh. Thanks so much for joining us. With us for this adventure were Olive. Bye. Tanager. Everybody's talking all this stuff about me. <laughs> and Oiled Up Furious. Oh, oh, yeah, next time. Eating a chicken wing. (laughs) Bye. Bye. October Jones and Fish with Legs podcast best friend super ultimate listening experience. Okay. 
It's a buddy comedy adventure about me, October Jones. The brain. And fish with legs. The legs. As we try to save the world from being eaten, apparently. With the power of friendship, we face wacky situations, whimsical new locations, and the dangers of colonialism. All with a mature but family-friendly appeal. Listen to October Jones and Fish with Legs on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else. And for exclusive secret content, visit us at octoberandfish.ca. Hello loves, my name is Coral Renee, and I would love it if you would join me on my podcast, Love's Letters. It is a story that spans lifetimes. Love writes to her partner and immortalizes their love in a series of letters, so in the next life they can remember their mission in order to save the world. It's a story that begins in the pandemic with a spiritual awakening, and I can't wait to see how the story turns out. Hopefully you'll join me, and we'll see you there. Goodbye loves.